All I want is a shot. I'm not saying I'm going to breed them or going to be successful. I just want a chance. I want to try to see if I can breed them as well too, man. Cause the thought of having a little clutch with a little rough skill head popping out, man, is going to be awesome. Welcome to from the ground up where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Melissa made me get this coconut ale that All right. is just not. It sounds terrible. Not masculine and not great either. So Melissa made me get this coconut so ale don't, that don't really judge me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have coconut water and that's not even that good. <laughs> Let alone coconut beer. Yeah, Let alone, there's yeah. no place. It basically no tastes like you put coconut water in beer. Yeah, that's no, so. there's no reason for that. Nah. <laughs> Take my beer with beer, hops, malt, all the good stuff. All right, we oh, are yeah. we are yep. live. Um, <laughs> welcome everyone to From the Ground Up. Thank you so much for coming on. Happy Snake Day or whatever the hell it is. I guess it's World Snake Day. So we're so naturally, we're going to have a Aki monitor, our, one of our only lizard episodes today uh, of sorts. So sorry, we didn't really plan this one out. I didn't know it was World Snake Day until this morning. But thank you, guys. I just want to say thank you to um, people that bought snakes. We brought out or we sent out a few snakes today. So thank you to Raylon and Julie. And then... If you guys are interested in any type of corn snakes, we have a bunch of corn snakes available. Um, we haven't necessarily gotten everything up on the website yet, but everything is about ready. I'll probably get everything up by the end of the week as far as there's a couple more clutches that are ready to go. And then if you guys would visit PoorCityPythons.com, you can see our snakes that are available there, as well as we have t-shirts available and all the stuff that goes towards keeping the podcast going and keeping the YouTube channel going. And just thank you guys for all your support. And that is pretty much it. Amazon links are down in the description. You've heard all this stuff before. But um, today we are going to have on Brett Bender of Fieldstone Herpeticulture. And so Brett works with Ackies, and he works with uh, a bunch of Australian stuff as far as blackheads, roughies, all the cool stuff we all like. So, uh, Brett, thank you so much for being on, and give us a little overview of what your first reptile is and kind of how you got into this. Cool. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Happy uh, World Snake Day today. Of course. We have snakes, so that's that's cool. So we'll, we'll keep it relevant, you know, with you know, quickie conversation, of course. Um, pretty much like everybody else. You know, I grew up in uh, southeast Wisconsin, so we've had we have you know fields and lakes and rivers and all kinds of fun stuff to get out and play in. Um, so we used to just go out in the fields, we'd go down this rock quarry, go catch crayfish, catch fish. And they always had this crawfish and all that kind of good stuff. So um, doing that, my dad. So he didn't really care. Brought home. He always kind of turned it into like a little educational lesson saying, hey, check this out. This is what the the, uh, the scientific name is for these guys. And if you want to keep them for a little while, we'll release them and get them going. So I was always, we had a rabbit cage that we kept in the back of the house, which sounds really backcountry. It wasn't that backcountry, but <laughs> it, was, it was like this is back in 1970. 
eight probably something like that you know so it worked pretty good for keeping like a bullfrog for a couple days or keeping a couple turtles and you know build them a little pond and so on um so that was cool and then um we were fortunate enough to have this little store called aquatic world downtown oconomowoc wisconsin where i grew up and uh they had a pretty good exotics like little area there like in the early 80s i mean they had like red tail boas uh i'm sure like ball pythons which back then were pythons that was cool um they had a bunch of inverts and mammals and fish and all that kind of stuff so you know i started kind of keeping a little fish at the time it was all over so i mean what a little kid doesn't want to have a piranha to feed goldfish to and so on um so we kind of dabbled with that a little bit but my parents they were they were kind of cool with the reptiles but not not too much so the snake thing didn't happen for a while my mom was pretty kind of put off by it and to be honest with you man i was i was freaked out by snakes when i was a kid i mean i, I didn't not i just i didn't like them i didn't understand them and there's I have this weird thing about wild caught like colubrids just like out in the field they're they're wily man <laughs> you know it's not like a captive bred python dirty so, bitey yeah musky with I, saw shit. You, I saw you got musked over off of a, by a garter not too long ago or a ribbon snake yeah um yeah so they're just kind of they freak me out you know and you, and you don't really notice they're that you're not looking for that on one you're like oh my god Oh, you keep on breaking up. My neighbor and I would. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me better now? Yeah. Okay. So my neighbors would get out and they would catch them, and I kind of started getting better with them a little bit. So um, it, it kind of I started to kind of break down a little bit and start getting a little better feel. And then ball python, and that's held a snake and actually started to kind of understand them a little bit more. So I liked them a lot more at that point and kind of got a better feel for them. Um, I had a friend that passed away in high school and he had a green iguana. Um, so me having, you know, some kind of interest in reptiles and animals in general, uh, his parents gave him to me to take care of. So we had him for quite a while and uh, he was cool. So that kind of started to break me into lizards a little bit too. And um, so from there, it kind of just kind of just kept growing to be honest with you. And Probably up in uh, uh, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Um, I was up there, and they had a little pet store, too. So we went over and found a Toke gecko. So, you know, I went out and bought the biggest, baddest gecko you could keep. <laughs> this will sound great on the audio-only version of the podcast. Um, <laughs> I probably won't be editing it out, so... I may just keep on talking like this while Brett does okay. his thing on the, on the yeah. other end. But... Um, I guess I will fill you guys in on a little bit of what's going on here. We have a bunch of clutches out. We have, it's crazy. We are trying to get everyone feeding. We are trying to get everyone separated, sexed, um, staying up on the inventory list. If you guys don't know, we have a full inventory list on the snakes that we're raising up, the snakes that we bred this year, um, all of our pairings. And then as well as all of the babies that have come out. So you can kind of get a jump on some of the projects if you know what's going on and you know what you want to look for. And you can just hit me up and say, hey, I want something from that. Or what would go good with this or just for whatever reason. But um, we have Amel Buff stuff that's coming up. If <laughs> Buff stuff. Um, if anyone would be interested in anything like that and... Uh, just a lot of cool projects that we've shown if you guys follow us on Instagram and whatnot. Um, it's been 
It's hard with so many little baby colubrids. If you never had baby colubrids anymore or before, they're like super squirrely and wiry, and you open up the tub and then they just dart out and fall on the floor and try to climb the wall if you saw my Instagram story today. So uh, trying to get all those, my hands on all those, sexing all of them and doing all that is a lot of work. All right, Brett, you think you're good on your end? Yeah, I think I'm good. Yeah, hopefully it's, let's try this out. And I switched Wi-Fi's and opened up my door. So hopefully that, if not, I just moved to the other bedroom or into the other room. Okay. So now, now I'm wrapped up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think where I left off is just, yeah, so after kind of just, you know, ins and outs as a child, just, you know, catching stuff in the wild, went to uh, transferred colleges, and we our, our first year that we were living there, we were able to get a house and not live in the dorms, and that's kind of where things just really start to grow. Found another pet store. It seemed like everywhere I went, I found a pet store to, like, go hang out at and, you know, go see what they bring in and everything. So, um, and actually, at the same time, too, there were, we figured out that there was a reptile swap that was every third month or every third Sunday, I think, of the month, down and outside of Chicago called the Lee Watsons uh, all animal explain exactly what um, a reptile swap is yeah exactly yeah exactly all animals I mean there was like chickens and random stuff just like running around and stuff and it was, it was interesting and it was, it was an interesting crowd too because I mean, we're at that point we're talking like late 80s early 90s um, so it was a blast though so we ended up going down there and finding some animals I had no parents I had no RA telling me not to keep an animal in the room at that point so um, the first place we stayed I had a big walk-in closet and that immediately became a room for a giant like it was like a four and a half five foot green iguana that <laughs> We built baskets and shit at the end of the hall, and all my roommates were like, they didn't just kind of stayed away from that side of the house because I mean it was big, and I'm sure it was a male, and probably just wanted to like mess with people. But he was pretty cool with me; like I fed him, <laughs> so that was cool. And then we started keeping some boa constrictors, and then um, after that, discovered Burmese pythons. So of course, you now had to go for just jump right in and got a labyrinth Burmese python and an albino female. So I raised those guys up for a while. I got a good clutch from the female, um, not knowing how to incubate anything. I lost the clutch and uh, they did good. They just got big and I was ended up moving around from house to house at the time too. So we ended up selling those guys off and from there just kind of kept keeping random stuff that would kind of, you know, catch my interest like leopard geckos. We bred those guys for a while, right when the leucistic ones came out. So uh, started breeding leucistic leopard geckos, um, then the super hypo carrot tails, all that kind of goofy stuff. And did that for a while and then moved to Chicago and when I got down there, I found a house. I was living with my sister for a month, and I found like this weird little house. It looked like Mr. Miyagi's little toadstool house in the west side of Chicago, just covered in ivy and stuff. Really weird. Again, you know, had to Kept those for a while. I'm sorry, some clue breads. And then the ball pipe kind of started to come up a little, you know, where like spider ball came and some other sorry uh, you're breaking up again um let me go in the house all right go for it yeah we've messed up about everything on the podcast but we haven't had a uh, technical we haven't um had technical difficulties as far as connectivity. I don't know how. It seems like the most common thing that would happen to us. But we've been kind of lucky. 
All right, let's see if this is better. I think I'm sit over here. And if there's a child in it or whatever, it's uh, <laughs> it's all happened before. I went I went to a different room. I right right to right to the router, so hopefully that will that will fix issues. All right. All right, we'll try that now. So the last thing I got was Toadstool House. Okay. Um, sorry. So from there, we started to um, – I started keeping more monitors. Started doing some black tree monitors, um, peach throats, some rough neck uh, black uh, the monitors and so on. So it worked out good. It was, it was fun. So I had those guys for a few years until we found a new house. And then same deal, just kind of started to get into ball pythons a little bit. It's right when the spider ball python morph came out. So switch gears, started kind of collecting normal females, you know, with the whole idea of being able to breed like, you know, five, like five females to one male kind of deal and work with the co. So, so what was that Can you hear me? spider? Oh. That was probably, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Let's try it again. So spider, um, spider when that came in, was, was that? It was a weird. It was expensive. Yeah. That was, it was, it was weird because it was actually one of my friends who, purchased the snake and then sent it to me and kind of the same situation as we we're talking about earlier he's like i'm gonna send this to you you got some females let's go ahead and you know let's see if we can you know start breeding them and see what we can do with them um so it didn't work of course you know <laughs> so we ended up moving those guys out but right at that time that's when i switched over to ackies and started kind of finding some different species um switch over the ackies and walmart Pythons, Rivos, and so then the Walmas were going for like fifteen hundred a piece back then. It was much different time. Instead of one fifty or three hundred or whatever they're going for now. Um so that's kind of where I started getting some experience with those guys, with the Walmas and start working with those guys. I had two point two, it's actually the same guy the spider sent me down his pair. So then kind of was able to uh, work with those guys. I just had a really cool male that I picked up from rare earth actually back in the day. And I mean, it was beautiful. So went to both of those females, produced two clutches off of those and tried to figure it out. The egg situation, I got them to hatch, but I mean, the eggs were, they were brutal looking by the time they were done incubating. I mean, they were all moldy and falling down and stuff. And, but I had the little orange heads came out. So it was cool. <laughs> do you know so hopefully, do hopefully you know year. as of now like what those incubation problems are because i know people um, still have the problems today it seems like no one has directly figured which, it out which is really weird because it's I, yeah i, I kind of i follow a lot of the different you know facebook groups for, for womas and so on you'll see people with a beautiful clutch of white eggs and beautiful like orange heads perfect right and then you see other ones that just kind of fall apart and they don't make it so um much like a little bit slightly lower temperatures help them and also keeping the humidity high but keeping them dry is like kind of the key for those guys um which i mean it seems like the sim containers should work well for that kind of that's what i use for my acu monitors i use the sim containers so um it keeps the moisture really nice but it keeps them completely dry so i think that's that's kind of the key and when i did mine back in the day i used the light diffuser with perlite so it's not i mean to be honest, not much has changed since 2000 as far as that goes um and it may just depend on individual home environments and stuff too you know I'm, I'm sure everything kind of changes from different areas and so on um but i know like um uh was add reptiles on california like he just had a beautiful clutch and justin julander had a nice clutch this year that all hatched out really perfectly and um you see some great clutches that come out so it's obviously not i mean it, it's not it's there's 
it seems like they're all kind of doing the same thing, but they're not working out the same. So I'm not sure what's what's throwing it off. And maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the pairs if they're not ready yet or I'm not sure. It's hard to say. Yeah. It's weird that in the age of it seems like we've got so many things figured out that that this animal that has been being bred since the 90s or something, but we still don't know how to incubate it or and it seems like people exactly. can get them to breed easy, but it's it's the incubation that, that yeah. Kills them. They I mean they bred. I mean when I bred mine back in the day, it was it was not hard. Um, granted, I was living in Chicago, and I think that makes a huge difference. Is just like where you're actually you know where you're at. They just naturally feel what's going on outside, and when it starts getting dark out at like four thirty in the afternoon, and it's like twenty degrees outside and sixty in your house, it's makes a big difference. You know, I, I think being down here in Texas, I mean, you're, you're probably the same situation. It's it's like, what do you do? It's kind of hard to get things cooler sometimes during the winters. Yeah, especially I mean, we're doing colubrids, so I would love it right. for it to stay fifty five degrees all the time, but it does <laughs> right, not exactly. happen. <laughs> Yeah, I did hog nose uh, last year or the year before, and I was trying to figure out if I should cool them or not. And I ended up cooling them down a little bit, just like right out in the garage. But it just, it, I don't even know if it made sense to do it or not. If I, you know, it just, I may have just shunned them off of food for a little while, might have helped. But it definitely, I got fertile clutches and they hatched. But at the same time, it just, it seemed kind of pointless because it kept warming up so much. I mean, we got through January and it was like 70 degrees here already. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, you can so, almost just food cycle them at that point. I mean, turn right. off the heat or something. <laughs> just slow down feeding i mean i've heard of people being successful that way exactly yeah i think that's a big big key too so we'll see what happens this year i've got a bunch of pythons going um that should hopefully go i'm gonna try to cycle them i'm gonna try to do some night drops with them and do that that kind of style so we'll see what happens um i don't know it'll be interesting <laughs> awesome so let's get into the ackies so um just give us an overview on where they're from and kind of their behaviors and size and everything like that. Sure. Um, they are from Australia, of course. Uh, it seems like they're mostly, and I, I don't know, I'm not an expert on basically where they're all from and where they break down for subspecies and so on. Um, looking at a map the last couple of days, they're from the Northern Territories. Um, two different, usually subspecies, there's the yellows and the reds, which it's hard to say if they're even yellows and true reds. I'm sure there probably are, but it, it seems like things have gotten muddy, especially since they've been here since last 25 years plus and so on. Um, I work with the reds specifically, and my adults are maybe 18 to 22 inches full from like head to end to tail. So they're not big animals. And half of that basically is probably three records of this product. So they've got um, good little stout bodies on them, personalities. They're, you know, I've seen people have them super friendly and they hold them and they've, you know, great lap pets of mine are not that way. I don't hold them at all. I didn't really raise them to hold them. Um, having two little kids, things just get so busy. It's hard to sit and try to tame a lizard. <laughs> Sometimes not sure they really want to be tamed either. So, um, they um they're they're cool their personalities are neat they're just they're like little bulldogs basically they they attack anything that goes in there as far as food goes i can go and scratch their heads and kind of you know move them around and stuff if i need to um if i do get a good hold of them they'll probably get a hold of me pretty well um they do have a strong bite and i've had stitches from a big male at one point where i, I got is actually i got an adult and i don't know why i was just like oh hackies are tame so i went in there and picked him up and he bit me in the knuckle and then basically did like a gator roll and just ripped my knuckle wide open so i had to go to the doctor and tell him that i got bit by a lizard and then get a tetanus shot and then stitched up <laughs> on top of it so that was awesome another good doctor story 
um but yeah they're 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 cool man they're great they're great animals they're really active and that's one thing i like about them like i go out every morning and they're always out basking underneath their heat lamps and come out and warm up um they're fun to kind of tease feed and if you throw live food in there like uh you know and insects they, they chase them like crazy and they, they have a lot of fun with that mm-hmm. so personality wise they're outgoing and i like them a lot that way so how do you keep these guys <laughs> Um, I set my guys up and I think it's pretty standard for pretty much way everybody keeps them. Um, I have a four foot by two foot by two foot cage. So it's four foot long, two foot deep, two feet tall. Um, they use the height somewhat. I mean, I could have probably gone a little shallow, but what I was trying to make up is a real deep, uh, uh substrate bed for them because they like to dig too. So I set them up with the uh, wood cage with that. And I have one basking light that's on them and it's like a power sun. So I get that baskin temperature up to about 130 degrees. Um, for 12 hours and then I completely shut it off um, at nighttime. So it just whatever the room drops to, which my room is pretty warm. So it drops down to, you know, probably like like low or high, high 70s, low 80s, somewhere around there for ambient. Um, so they'll come out every night. So they basically after it cools down a little bit, they'll come out and hit that basket spot and just sit there and, and chill on that. So uh, for us, giving them that, I get a thermal. For us oh, good people. All right, that's really freaking hot. So, what kind <laughs> of like, like what sur- wattage? Uh, what wattage light bulb would that um, be, and how does that work? That is, I'm using like a 150 power sun. Um, I'm not sure if it's really necessary to have. You know, there's debate about whether you really need like the UVA, UVB bulbs for them. Um, I'd go with it because I figure it can't hurt them, you know, especially having it on for um, just once, you know, for half the day, basically. Um, so I shoot with that. And there's a bunch of different lights. People just use regular floodlights on them. Um, and the way I do it is I, I it's called a reed stack. Frank Reitz was an old, um, shouldn't call him old. I think he's looking mad about that. Um, he's, he's a monitor breeder. He's like the godfather. He's been doing it for years. So he came up with a development, a development system called a reed stack. Um, so basically you use like two by fours or some kind of support and then make a layer and then do it again and make another layer and then put another tile down. So I make mine out of two by fours and then I use actually 12 inch ceramic tiles and I stack them on top of each other and they kind of keep stacking up higher and higher so i get it right underneath the basketball by say probably like eight to ten inches somewhere around there so she can or heat you know the pair can crawl up and bask um if it gets too hot they just go to the next level and it maybe drops a couple degrees and then they can go to the next level a little bit lower and it drops a couple degrees and they can keep working their way down and thermal regulate where they exactly want to be and it's funny because they, they totally use them man they'll, they'll get up in the morning and they'll just go bask or right after they eat they'll get right underneath that hot lamp and just sit there and just digest their food or just warm up for the day and then i'll come back a little bit later and they'll be a level lower and then come back again a little lower and they just kind of keep moving around and they, they really use those reach stacks a lot so are um, you keeping these guys in groups um i have just 1.1 right now so basically okay. i bought two little ones and they grew up to be a pair um, there's some theories about when you acquire them if you get them about the same size and you raise them in a group they should for the, for the benefit of the group, it should develop into basically a male and then possibly like two or three females, however you're raising them up, or one you know one male, one female kind of deal, um, which is kind of cool. So if you get a trio, odds are, so if you get three of them, you should hopefully get a sex trio as they grow up and develop together as a group. So that's Wait, kind of I'm that confused. So it, <laughs> wait, so it's, they're so born, it's not pre-fucking determined? It's not, no. I mean, what? That's, these are and to be honest with you from who have i've sold them to and what i've raised it's it's come true 
So this is, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's not, yeah, you can't just get them as babies and pop them or check like the hemipenes and see what they are. I mean, it usually takes them like eight to nine months to really determine if they're males or females. So, um, they just, they just, it, it seems to be, it works that way. And I think it's basically like natural selection in the wild that they basically, they start to develop these groups and that makes them, you know, the most prolific, you know, as, as prolific as they can be to keep their bloodlines and keep their, keep their species going. All right, so that's wild. So, <laughs> <laughs> See, World Snake Day, right? Learning some good stuff. <laughs> but it is great, though, because I mean, if you do get, you know, if you buy two or three babies, you should be getting, you should, you should get a nice little group of animals that is either going to be one point one or two point two or two one point three, whatever you're trying, you know, how many animals you get. Yeah, it's, so it's yeah, witchcraft. Yeah, but uh, it's so... a little witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> well, then it's a little confusing too about about sexing these guys too. Is, that the females will breed the males a lot too. So you'll see a female courting a male. And my my female, my proven female, does this to my male all the time. Still, I'll chase her and bring her in the spring, and then like a month or two later, my female is trying to lock up with him. So it's it's so it's really confusing when they're younger and you're trying to figure out what you have, and they're all just trying to they're you know they're they're mounting each other and you're trying to figure out what you if you have a male or a female and you're like I don't know you can't really tell because some people really think that they have a, you know a pair but sometimes you know that's <laughs> so, great so these it's, it's weird yeah want to breed they're, even when they shouldn't they yeah yeah exactly and they breed young too my uh, my female bred at about eighteen months. So, and she dropped like one fertile clutch and then that was it for that year. And then she came on strong the following year and laid three clutches after that. So yeah, they're, they're, um, they're interesting that way. I mean, it's, yeah, it makes a big difference. So I mean, going back to the housing and everything, we can back up, we can get into breeding and, and sex and all these guys later, yeah. um, raising these guys up. So the house wise, so I, I bet I have about 12 to 18 inches of substrate in that cage. So it's real deep and I use soil, um, like a real nice clean soil. It's hard to find in Texas down here. <laughs> There's not a lot of not a lot of good soil without you know a bunch of fertilizers and stuff in it. Um, but I found a good natural soil, then I mix in some play sand that's really sifted out nicely, and then cocoa bar, like cocoa fiber, like that uh eco stuff, I think. And um, I mix that together and it makes like a really nice like, you can make almost like a snowball out of it basically and you know, like pack it real nice. And what that does it allows them to burrow and make burrows, especially for egg laying. Um, but they'll actually like I'll put the reed sacks down sub level behind underneath the ground and they can actually burrow down and make like little, little burrows. So you'll see like a little hole in the morning where they just find a spot and they'll dig down and get in there. They may have looked a little graphic by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah don't do that too for. much. <laughs> we'll get into sex in them later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, Anyways, that's that's kind of the key is you're getting like getting the right substrate. And the nice part about it too is you can wet it down and keep it from getting really dusty. Um, they do dig a lot, so I found that kind of helps from just like kicking dust all over your room and getting it out of the cage and so on. Um, and I mean that's really pretty much it. I mean it's just really you know kind of giving them the heat. So they need some areas that like thermal regulate their body because they'll use it. Um, and then a good substrate for them to dig in and burrow. And I mean that female she'll dig a hole and then get in there and lay her eggs and completely pack it in. And it's you know you would never know they're there if you didn't watch your animals and know she's laying. So do you as far as the soil goes and everything? Is it like a bioactive setup or you're just putting the soil in there? 
Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll pre-mix it. So I'll go get the soil, I'll get the play sand, and I get the, the eco-fiber and basically just start mixing it up nicely. So you want to have that really nicely spread out. Um, so basically, they said, you know, from what I've read, is you really want to kind of make it in so it can pack into a snowball and kind of hold its form uh, to allow for those burrows. And so if it's too, too much dirt and it dries out too much, it'll just kind of keep falling on itself. Uh, same with the sand. And the, the eco-fiber stuff's pretty nice. It definitely keeps moisture really well, which, which is a big key with keeping these guys because they'll actually – if it gets too dry, they'll, they'll, they won't be able to shed properly, and they'll start losing toes and losing tips and tails and stuff because they'll get stuck shed. And that seems like an uphill <laughs> battle when you're keeping a hot spot of 130. It's um, Yeah, it's, it is. But, you know, it's not too bad. I'll get in there, and I have one of the pesticide spray containers that you get from Home Depot. So I'll get in there and spray them down really good. Um, or I'll just take a gallon of water and literally just pour it in their cage and then get in there and just start mixing it all back up again and laying it out nice and flat. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it is a battle. But at the same time, I think with my wood cage that we had built for them, which basically just like, like a wood glass, um, plexiglass on the front, it really holds humidity well. And it's, you know, I, I keep my guys fairly humid, not like damp or wet, but you open it up and you can kind of feel it coming back at you. But it really helps with their sheds. It really helps. I mean, their color looks great. They're not always just dusty, dirty looking little guys. Yeah. <laughs> so it definitely helps uh, helps with them. And like I was saying before, with their little with their with their toes, uh, if they go through a shed, they don't if they don't get the shed off their toes, it cuts off the circulation basically, and their toes will just start dropping off. Um, and that's been that's you'll see that in a lot of you know a lot of ackies that aren't kept properly. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to kind of keep an eye on those guys. The the chat's asking um, the enclosure. So did you custom build it yourself or is it a pre-made? Um, it is custom built. My next door neighbor was a cabinet builder and he just happened to live here for like six months and rented the house next to us. Um, so yeah, just one day I gave him some dimensions and he just, he, he brought, he knocked it out for us. I would show it to you if we had better connection, but unfortunately... I'm in our bedroom and we're stuck. My, my herp room. <laughs> so that kind of sucks. So there you go. Sorry. Find a neighbor that's a cabinet maker. Yeah. And then <laughs> and it's real, real basic. I mean, if you'd picture like the old night cage in the day, uh, everyone kind of made them out of plywood. So it's basically just, you know, a nice big rectangular cage that's uh, four foot by two foot by two foot. Uh, the one thing I did do is I put the plexiglass higher off the ground. So I, it gave me that big area on the bottom, like a big reservoir or a dam basically kind of built up so I could really pack that soil down there and give them like 12 to 18 inches on the bottom. Awesome. So what we did actually, you know, on... I think mine might yeah. be actually three feet now that I think about it. It's about three feet tall that I, so I went pretty tall with mine. Um, I don't know if they really need that much. I've seen people actually not use soil and use like mulch and then have like a nest box for the females to lay in. But I don't know. I, if I'm going to give them the space, I'm going to give them some good natural substrate to dig around and play in. Mm-hmm. So we didn't hit on feeding. So what's their diet? <laughs> diet is cool. Um, the best part about having Aki's is they have a very very a very uh, a variable diet so you can you, you basically feed them um, insects maybe dubia and crickets mealworms to start with um, chicken hearts so i should go to the store and get like a little tray of chicken hearts which are like a dollar 29 and then just slice from them up here from heb <laughs> common thing yeah, yeah, I guess so. People like to wrap them in bacon, I guess, and deep prime or something. I don't know. I'm not from the South. I've just heard that. Oh. <laughs> Probably right next to the pig's feet and the... Yeah, yeah. Hit... And, the, and the gizzards, you know, yeah. fried gizzards. And everything. It's, yeah, Chitlins. it is all right there. 
I will say I was a little freaked out by it at first. Um, it's not that bad. It's like, you know, they're just like little, they're like these little hearts. <laughs> but you get like a nice tray of them and they're like a dollar twenty nine. So what I'll do with those, I, I break them down in like little snack bags and I'll freeze five of them and then do like another five and freeze them all together and make like little bags and put them in my freezer. Um, so it works out pretty good for that. Yeah, we have we have a little deep freezer in the garage that my wife's been bugging me to get a deep freezer for the house, you know, for like for the family so that we can, you know, start making pre-ready made meals and go and get like frozen Bye, meals bro. for everybody. Right. Extra storage. Yeah. So she came home. She's like, you bought us a freezer. And I kind of keep some of these things a little hush hush, you know, um, she goes and opens it up. and It's just full of dead rodents. I was just like, well, you didn't want them in our freezer. Right. So it worked out pretty good. Uh, she was a little, you know, upset by it, but she she get her freezer up, but we we so it works out pretty good. Um, so yeah, the chicken hearts are in there, um, and then uh, little fuzzy mice or crawler mice. Uh, when they're smaller, you go from pinkies all the way up. You know, the biggest I'll ever feed them is basically like fuzzy mice or crawlers. They don't they, even as adults, they don't need anything bigger. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else we got. Oh, scrambled eggs. They love scrambled eggs. So like in the morning, we're making them for the kids and such. You just dump a tray of scrambled eggs and they just come down that's and they so chow on funny. them and they love them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So, so that's, what's really nice about them is that you have a nice varied diet for them. So you're not feeding them insects every single day or, you know, mice every single day. You can, so you can break it up. So, I mean, I'm feeding them mice twice a week. I feed them scrambled eggs, maybe twice a week or once a week, insects every other day or something like that. Um, and there's a lot of times I'll go in there and they just won't eat either. Yeah. As adults right now, they just, you're like, I'm good. So it's kind of nice. So they're not, you know, it's not as much work as it seems like, you know, some of the other lizards are, they, they'll pick their battles and not eat some days and some days they'll just come and eat. And then that's pretty much it. But they're hundred uh, percent carnivores. They are uh, insectivores, carnivores. Yeah. So, you know, between the, the dubious stuff they uh they go for those and then beyond that they go strictly for um you know eggs and the chicken hearts and so on like that now is yeah there i found a concern that. between like say chicken or egg is obviously pretty lean and then you try to get like a rat crawler in there that's fatty or exactly exactly so that's what's nice about you know i mean i think that's it makes it so easy for those guys i mean they have a very diet in there it's just my my guys have really thrived on on having that kind of diet and i'm sure there's some people that probably feed you know mostly rodents and stuff like that but my guys and for me it's a lot easier than trying to thaw out something every you know every day every other day to feed these guys so i feed them with my snakes and then once other time between the week with the mammals and you don't have to like separate them or anything like that when you feed them no i do watch them because they will fight over food sometime not overly aggressive but they'll they'll get up there and get kind of mouth to mouth if the female has it because they're, they're kind of slow eaters i mean they take a whole prey item and they just kind of they get in their mouth and they kind of work it down a little bit if there's something hanging out the male might try to grab it so a lot of them, when i feed i basically i spot feed all the time too so if i'm feeding a dubia i watch it go in its mouth i don't just throw them in the cage and be like here's some, here's some dubias for you guys to chomp on it and if you don't, we're the house, you know. So I, I go in there with with a, like a, a tong, and I feed them directly every single one of those. I mean, I only have two of them, so it's not that hard. And that way, I know my females eat in. I know my males eat in. I know how much each of them are getting that way. The scrambled eggs, I'll start them and kind of feed them and keep them separated, and then they'll just go down to the plate and and brunch it out together. <laughs> <That's pretty sweet. laughs> so yeah, it works. It's pretty good. So now uh, so I guess we can get into a little bit of the breeding. So obviously you keep them together, but are you doing any like noticeable drops on purpose or? 
nothing more than what naturally happens in that room. Um, so we built a room in our garage. I used to have, and this is kind of when I started to get a little more, it was like that, that, that house my sophomore year in college where I got a little freedom, you know? Um, I talked my wife into building a small room in the garage. So it's all insulated and we have uh, AC and heat hooked up to it. So when the lights go off in the winter, it's still, you know, it's still in the garage, but it's, it has some heat to it, but it's definitely make, it's definitely cooler because during the summertime in Texas, I mean, it's, it's hot <laughs> no matter what. Um, so I think it's just a natural drop that they're feeling out there. Um, so that's going to be working pretty good. Hi, can you want to go in the other room, buddy? Hi, you say hi real quick. You're going to go in the other room, buddy. Hold on one second. He's, it's okay. You know, I just come around. You know, I'm just grabbing out. It's a perfect movie. Ah. He's, uh, that's our two-year-old Bo. He's, he's, uh, he has these things called the terrible twos right now. Oh, yeah. Dude, they're terrible. They're, <laughs> yeah, our, our six-year-old never had them before, and he's, he's off the charts right now. So, it's, uh, this is new to us. So, yeah, it's been awesome. <laughs> I think that's our made, first kid amazing. appearance on the podcast. We've had and some dog know, appearances. Yeah. <laughs> So that's I've seen those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's little man Bo. He's uh, he's a future. He's the future of our of our hobby. You know, <laughs> keep him going. Um, so breathing wise, so I, I turn my lights on twenty four hours. So they're on twelve hours on, twelve hours off. Um, so as they drop they um they're just naturally getting cooler than those winter months and it's kind of funny so when i when it started to warm up a little bit this year i was kind of watching my breeding records from last year and they bred basically like the same started breeding the same week almost as they did the previous year and they laid their first clutch within seven days of last year's clutch clutch which is pretty cool i don't know so i'm curious to see what next year does and see if they're really that dialed in you know and they just keep doing the same thing so um, after that, they basically, the male starts courting the female. Um, they lock up a lot and they lock up for a long time. So the male just kind of come over, get on the female and they'll be locked up for a while. It's not, it's not aggressive. Uh, there's no biting or anything else going on like that. So you'll just see them kind of just laying there. Um, and so it's, it's really good that way. You know, they're, they're just not, they're, they're, they're easy to keep together. I mean, my pair have not had any issues with that. Um, then the female will go through kind of, you know, start producing eggs and she just swells up. I mean, you'll, you'll notice her get like, like a giant oval, like, you know, she'll get really big. Um, so she fattens up, you're like, okay, great. And then she'll start basking a lot too. So you're like, all right, this is looking good. She's feeding really good. And then she'll kind of stop feeding a little bit. Um, and start to kind of slim down and those eggs just kind of, they just rearrange basically. And then you'll see her start to kind of dig around the cage. She'll kind of start burrowing and finding some different little spots to get into. Um, and then basically you'll just notice her, she'll come out and she's like, she's half of what she used to be. I mean, they just complete, it's like a snake when they lay their first, you know, lay their clutch. You're like, wow, that's a lot of mass that just came out. Um, last averaged about seven, nine eggs per clutch. This clutch, the first clutch this year was 14 eggs. So she doubled her clutch size from, from in her third year of breeding, which was interesting. And her next clutch was 12, 12 eggs. Um, she hasn't laid her third yet. I was expecting it like a week ago, and it's not coming out yet. So I'm kind of waiting to see if she is going to lay a third or if she's just getting laid like two big clutches and that's it for this year. Um, so, yeah, it'll be kind of interesting to see. Do you know so, the typical as far as average clutch size and clutch it's, it's all over. I've, I've seen it all over the place some people are like they'll have five clutches a year and they'll have seven eggs you know and kind of go through so it seems like the 
I've seen anywhere between like seven eggs up to 18 eggs, something like that, you know, for, for real big clutches. Um, I was really surprised when I started digging and they just kept coming out. I was like, there's another one. There's another, it's kind of fun. <laughs> you, you literally, you, you unearth them, you know? So you, you get in the cage, you got to kind of find cool. out where they are and you start brushing everything away and brushing away. And I was like, Oh, found one you know and you might find a couple rocks in there and you're like ah it's not them and so often you find one you're like okay cool so you pull it out you, i always pull it out of the cage i put it right down in front of me on the carpet mark it with a pen and mark the top for it uh, and then you kind of start pulling the next one out and then the next one and they crack them up and like she usually finds like a corner or like like a piece of plywood or something to press up against to and you just kind of keep working it out and you just keep you know one by one pulling them out and pulling them out so it's kind of interesting it's like so different so, i mean i bred snakes you know, for so many years and everything, um, even like leopard geckos, everyone had a nest box before. So you open an Xbox, a nest box up, you like got a clutch. Awesome, there they are. This you had to kind of go in there and start digging around for them, trying to find them, and hope they didn't get too wet or you know, um, only having two animals and being home a lot, I, I, I get to keep an eye on them. So I, you can tell right when she lays a clutch. So it's like you just hope you're not out of town. <laughs> so, well, I feel like it's different with them. leopard geckos. You know that there's going to be two eggs. So you're digging around. That's true. Every eggs. like yeah, every. And it, they're usually right on top. Well, if you've got a nest box for sure. And it's like every 21 days too. And she seems to lay hers about every 46 days. Somewhere around there has been her average in between clutches. So, wow. so um, thinking so up the size, she'll put weight back on though that quickly. Notice. Yeah, they, they just they just start feeding right away. They just right off the bat, I'll go in there and I'll feed her some like real small prey items, you know, kind of like a snake. Have you ever done you guys double clutch corns at all? Or you guys we double clutch your animals? This year, not on purpose. He doesn't like doing it on purpose. Yeah. I keep my females <laughs> to begin with. So. You keep them smaller. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily agree. I mean, it's to each their own, whatever. But yeah. it's kind of the same principle. If you were to double clutch an animal, you basically start feeding them right away and kind of get back to size. But this is natural for them. I mean, they're going to lay multiple clutches a year. I mean, they're they're highly prolific, prolific little animals. So uh, her, her body is producing them right off the bat so we just get in there and start feeding them again and kind of keep an eye on them um so it'll be interesting to see you know how she holds up i mean she looks she looks awesome right now for having two big clutches this year she's she's nice and chunky already again so, so since her first two were big do you expect the third one to be smaller or can it just be any like is there any connection between each one i don't know last year she was within an egg of her first three clutches last year were like it was like eight nine and seven or something like that so they were kind of all over the place but they were very close to each other so having a 14 egg and a 12 egg i'm kind of curious to see if she does lay another clutch what that's going to come in at um right. I, was, I mean i was surprised i, I might kept pulling them on like well this is 14 baby ackies this is it's a lot of little dudes that's interesting <laughs> that's, that's so much different yeah, no. than uh double clutching corns because you double clutch corns the first clutch is 20 eggs the second clutch is eight eggs with six slugs and like right it's exactly. a very diminishing return right that's what i i just for assumed sure. for those two yeah mm -hmm. yeah so I mean, they'll, they'll kind of keep going so it'll be interesting to see i don't know I'll keep you all posted. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there has to be some correlation, right? I don't know. In positive, negative, same, there has to be something. They can't. Can I, it I would think so. Totally random. I would think that she's probably going to have a, her clutches from here on out are probably going to be about the same size of the first two from this year. I'm assuming if she's laying bigger clutches, she should continue to lay bigger clutches like that. And she hasn't grown a whole lot from like between the last two years. I mean, they, they grow fast. It's crazy. So I mean, within 18 months, they're like breeder size. So, and then at that point, they don't really keep getting bigger. My male kind of like fat ends up a little bit where he kind of keeps getting bigger and, you know, but he doesn't eat all the time. It's kind of weird. You'd think that like, 
you know, the getting obese snake, you feed them a lot, right? So you just kind of feel like I feed this animal like a large rat every single week and I got a big fat one. But this male, it's like they get porky and they're just real stout little animals and he'll eat like two, three times a week at the most. So and he'll skip a couple days in between and not eat. <laughs> so, right. so that's kind of interesting the way they, they put on body weight and keep their body weight. Um, so with her, she just, she just bounced back. So yeah, we'll be curious. I'm curious to see. She's kind of just going off like my data just from watching when she was laying clutches the last couple of years and doing the math i expected her to lay like last week but again maybe after the third clutch she'll she'll take a little break and then lay again so we'll see and that's, that's then yeah then happening in the summer or does it start uh bringing the spring so do they spring breed or she's she started breeding i don't know i left my phone in the other room uh she started she laid her first clutch in march and they're still incubating now so yeah. right yeah it's uh i've been checking I'm like like i i've never usually this neurotic about checking eggs but for some reason this clutch has been going and they look awesome they look great but i mean i go in there every morning i wake up and look in there i'm like and you'll just see it's weird because like the first ones will just come out and then the second ones will just kind of stick their heads out and kind of send the eggs for a while and it takes them a long time like they don't all come out or they don't all pip at the same time so like over last year like when the clutches were hatching it'd be over 10 days so the first Whoa. one would come out the, like the last one would come out 10 days later so it's a long like hatch That's process so weird. For them too. yeah it's, it's what's it's okay what's the does she <laughs> is the laying it's, process like snakes like does she lay does she take a while to lay them and that's why there's not the i mean it's, it's it's always it's a night i mean she'll get in there like a snake does and it's like and i've caught her in the action too it is slow i mean it's definitely slow but it happens in one night for sure um i did catch her laying it and it's like you know when you watch a snake lay your eggs you can you can see them like going through the going process through, like, yeah yeah and i just it, it was hard to tell from that maybe it was just her angle but i could see that she was sitting on a clutch and she was still working on it but it wasn't like a snake where they're kind of constantly kind of working on getting their clutch out so yeah it's kind of interesting um yeah it's yeah the incubate the incubation process is long i mean it's last year i averaged about 100 to 110 days for them to, to hatch out wow. and for some reason i started reading a lot again this this winter just kind of reading up on about incubation so I'm, some people said they incubate a little bit lower so i dropped it to 85 degrees and i don't know if that's the reason why but like i'm at like 110 112 days right now in this clutch <laughs> so i won't be surprised if they go like 120 days or something like that before they pop out but the fun thing is you get another clutch i mean she lays another clutch while you're waiting for the first one to hatch. so it's still kind exactly. of exciting <laughs> exactly which was like about a month and a half after she laid her first clutch so it'll be another month and a half after this so if they come out um you know another month and a half we're talking like like september <laughs> and then the clutch another so, one after that's like october that's a long so, I mean, like, waiting season yeah. half your year yeah uh, it <laughs> is and it's like it's like and it's incubation so you're just kind of just sitting waiting on these clutches and it's just and i have this whole clutch is already spoken for so maybe that's the other reason usually they're not spoken for so i'm kind of like whatever <laughs> we'll see what you know whenever they come out they come them. out i'll get them started but yeah it's, it's so it's a little it's a little interesting that way usually i don't have them pre-sold before you know when i you know they're pre-sold and then you know that didn't collect payment on them because who knows whatever's going to happen right. <laughs> with the eggs yeah, one of those situations my, my dumb luck you know uh-huh there must be some type of evolutionary reason for um because corn snakes lay clutches and then when the first clutch is hatching that's when the female will lay her eggs she'll usually have her second clutch right when the other clutch is hatching so it lines oh, up true. like that as well in corn snakes oh huh, that is interesting 
So there must Very be interesting. something. <laughs> yeah, just kind of keep it going. Maybe uh, I guess the, the first one gets wiped out. The second clutch is right there. That's gonna <laughs> yeah, afterwards. <laughs> something, something finds it, digs it, eats it up. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it is Australia. There's all kinds of gnarly stuff out there. <laughs> Probably digging up little ackee egg dens and so on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And how do you um, go a little bit more into incubation? So you kind of mentioned sink containers before, but I kind of yeah, explain I, that whole method and everything behind it. Sure, no problem. The um, So what I've been using, I've I got a couple of small little wine fridges, so that's what I'm using for my incubators. Um, so I just gut them out, basically, to put heat tape in there, set them up to a rheostat. So, I've, I, you know, it, they work well. They worked well for me so far. I mean, I've used them for the hog nose last year, uh, which was awesome because I had to buy the two different temperatures, so I had to buy a second incubator and deal with that whole thing. Um, but for those guys, it's uh, I set them up about 85 degrees. And the sim containers are really nice because they actually have you seen you know what they're what they look like. I don't all. know what a sim container is. So so basically, it's like a Rubbermaid t- a tub that these guys made. Um, they have they have a little layer that's like a, almost like a mesh, like a plastic mesh that goes across them. So you can paint all the sub like all the substrate below um, that mesh and put the eggs on top. So you keep your eggs completely dry and out of the substrate. Oh. But on the bottom, you could go straight water with them. Um, I don't do that because if I'm moving around, I'm always afraid you're gonna slosh water. Uh, I shake a lot. But not really, but, um, you know, <laughs> pull them out. I, you know, I'm just, I can bump into something or a kid runs up and I just wash water on the eggs and do I deal with that. So I use perlite and I just soak it. I mean, I put a bunch of water in there and it's, it's not like when you're putting the eggs in the substrate, there's always like the one-to-one ratio that you look for, for volume to weight. And, uh, you don't have to worry about any of that with these guys. It's, it's pretty nice. So yeah, I basically fill up the bottom half of the container with perlite and I just add a bunch of water in there and get that really nice and wet, kind of shake it up good. You put that mesh layer down on top, and then they have little little rails that run um, vertically through the box or horizontally, whichever way you turn it. And then you can put your eggs in between there. So it's pretty nice. They have like little guides, and it keeps your eggs from rolling back and forth. Yeah, um, I was they work ask, good. Do you are they small enough to fit in like the leopard gecko version of the sim containers, the little circular ones? They're they are about uh, they're. They're probably about twice the size of that egg. Uh, are you talking about the one little go in there? They're they're probably about they'd fill that up completely. I mean they're they're pretty good size. So yeah, compared to leopard gecko eggs, they're probably like three or four times the size. So they're pretty good size eggs. I mean they're all you know full grown. They're about that big. I'd say. It's a lot of and eggs. They, in they, that little animal. It is. I know. And when it comes out, you're like it's it's hard to believe that those are all in there. That's why I was surprised at the forky. And the eggs grow a lot too. I mean they've doubled in size since I've had them, which I don't really remember snake eggs doing that quite as much i mean they, they fill out and stuff no. but these things they really don't grow do they i mean they fit right in there okay. so yeah it's interesting because yeah they, they um so the eggs have definitely like I've, I've definitely noticed it with this first clutch where they're getting way bigger than what they what they start off at so that obviously factors in when you're deciding how many to put in each container since you know they're yeah, gonna get it's... bigger it's um i use the small ones i think so they're probably about four inches by about eight inches so you can fit quite a few in there um so i fit all 14 in there without using any of the outside it just runs right down the middle oh okay and then when these guys hatch out um what do you keep babies in um so i basically set them up exactly like the adults but i use 20 gallon long slide and screen tops works really well so i'll give them about eight inches of the same substrate soil that i have build them little reed stacks and then put a little spotlight right on top of that stack uh, for them to thermoregulate and basically so exactly the adults and they, it's amazing i mean they come out and they're just 
miniature little versions of the adults you know their their pattern's not as bold they're they usually like the patterns kind of have like a little more white spots and yellow spots on their backs compared to the adults kind of get more blackish um but they just come out they're ready to roll i mean they come out i put them in those in like the 20 longs and they start feeding within like two three days later which is it's pretty awesome because you get some like small little crickets and throw them in there and they just perk up and they're they're fast and they're they'll jump on a cricket and if it's a little big for them they'll just like wrestle it down and be jumping around on top of the cricket while it just drags them around but they they get them down <laughs> so it's it's pretty cool um so yeah food wise is exactly the same it's just miniature version of, of the adults do you have any issues feeding no i've never i mean it's really i mean i, I keep an eye on them i usually before when i had seven eggs you know I, I kept them all in like basically 120 long so this year i'm gonna have to split up the clutch which would be a little different you know uh but when i have them in a group of seven they're so small and they curl up small they they they, they're social with each other when they're small they'll lay on top of each other and they'll they'll hide with each other so if they find like a good piece of cork bark um or the underneath the reed stacks they, they all get in there together and so you'll lift it up and you're like well there's five of them and then you have to go on the scavenger hunt trying to find like the other two um because they'll get in there and they burrow and it's amazing if they can they get all the way to the bottom of somehow the substrate and just get themselves so i always freak out i'm like oh it's gone i, I don't know i lost one you know and um they have to go around and dig for them and try to find them and then they'll they'll pop out and you just pull them out and yeah they're cool they're they're just miniature little ackies i mean they're tiny they'll i mean they'll sit like on your fingertip basically you know from like the size of your pinky that's crazy and sit on it yeah it's pretty cool so they, they come out and you're like oh look at that <laughs> little baby ackies I, I, I get a kick out of it every time it still happens i'm sure you guys do with you know with the snakes every time you see like babies come out yeah so, yeah until they try to eat your face yeah i've got some face fighters too i got carpets <laughs> <laughs> i understand all that um yeah the, the, the big difference we, we don't have the genetics you know for like you guys get to do some cool breedings and you like the whole mystery of what's going to come out of the eggs i mean we get ackies and it's it's, it's still cool and so what is the ackee you know, but the, it is fun breeding breeding genetics <clears throat> what's up what's the ackee market like um it's pretty solid i mean there's there's a lot of people like them um to be honest with you last year i i feel like i traded more than i sold overall um i kind of just went through a spurt no it's not i'm keeping him from doing that it's a good move it depends what you want to get to and last year i kind of I used it to get in some projects that i i wanted to get into and I also used it to get into some animals I wasn't sure if I really wanted to work with, you know. Um, so, you know, if someone offered a trade, I usually kind of went for it for the most part. I did actually sell quite a few of the babies. I mean, I had three clutches last year. I mean, I had like 26 babies last year. So uh, it's a lot to sell just, you know, individually or in groups and so on. But I did sell probably well over half and traded over half. Uh, but it gave me a chance to get into rough scale python. So, I mean, I traded a clutch basically plus some money for a pair of adults a pair of adults rough scales which turned out to be two males but which will maybe come still in handy a pair. We'll it's still a <laughs> it's two still it's still two right <laughs> so um yeah so that that worked out great but uh but i have two really cool rough scales that's when i also got into us uh, mangolins and then i yeah i have 2.2 rough scales right now one's on breed alone one female one female i bought after um i realized that two males which was a 2017 baby so my males are like 2013 and 2015 i think somewhere around there so i mean they're they're big adults at this point um good size so this little female i mean she's like she's 
she's awesome, but she's small. I mean, it's gonna be years before she's ready. So, um, so yeah, we got those guys, and then the Angolans. Um, I was able to trade for a big female, and I, I found a lone male and bought that. So that was able to get me into that project. Um, I did a trade with Justin Gilander for some inland carpets uh, two years ago. My first clutch, the first ones I hatched out. Um, so I got it. You know, I was able to get it inland. So I kind of use it to get into some clutches, get into some projects I want to work with. Uh, I think I've hit a point now where I just I don't have a ton of room. So I didn't now. realize. <laughs> trades work across animals not work but i didn't realize it happened across i thought like you were only trading leg for legs no legs for no legs I didn't... chicken chicken heart for chicken heart <laughs> uh, it's um there's it's amazing what people offer you for trade i was offered <clears throat> trailers some guy offered me trailers offered me tires i was offered some trucks some tires for some you take a ride and he just had like a huge pile of tires in his yard yeah right he just was like i'm like i don't know if i need tires he's like yeah here i got all these tires and he literally had stacks of tires in his backyard i'm like i don't know what to do with tires and he's like i got rims for him and everything and i'm like i'm good i don't i mean i have a car and it's not that yeah exactly and like handguns i mean just all kinds of random stuff it's, it's interesting so I was like, no no yeah it's yeah so a if you mention you'll take trades just, just be ready yeah 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 for sure yeah and i'm like i'm good i, I we're good don't worry <laughs> so it's just pretty interesting what the what the what, you know people offer up for wow, um, but i did get that. into like yeah yeah there you go throw them you know Put, put up for trade and see we what don't happens. have snakes that are expensive enough to warrant a gun <laughs> to trade. warrant a gun no. there's, there's a lot of inexpensive guns out there now <laughs> not that you want them probably yeah i don't think i um, want an inexpensive gun but so the market's solid i mean for how long they've been around they've they've held their value pretty well for the most part i mean i i sell mine individually for like 300 a piece um if you buy multiple like 250 and that's usually kind of where i stop my brakes at for the most part um so you know pair for two for 500 a trio for 750 or something like that um but they're you know it's 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 held itself pretty well obviously they used to be more expensive but never crazy money i don't think you know i'm trying to think when i had them originally i mean i think i don't think they're even that much they may have been closer to five you know 750 or something 1500 a pair or something like that way way back in the day but um for pro how prolific they are and you know the one thing i have heard is for how prolific the females are that they don't breed for a very long time they'll breed a lot when they're younger and then kind of stop so i need to start holding some back as well too and probably start trying to buy some other unrelated bloodlines too and so i can kind of get ready for the future for that if that is that the case, was we'll see, but... That was definitely a question I had as far as bloodlines go. I mean, there are probably only so many founding animals. Um, Very true. Yeah, I think that that's part of it. And who knows where all those animals are at this point? You know, obviously, they're not still coming into the country. Some people are importing from Europe and so on. Um, but yeah, I don't, to be honest with you, I'm not really that up on the bloodlines. Uh, mine are from rare, my male's from rare earth, and my other one's from uh, Mark uh, Deutschman, I think his name is down Florida. He goes by Captain Mark. I can never remember his last name he got some from some imported animals he brought in from germany or something like that um so mine are you know unrelated as far as that goes but it's it's funny a lot of people that buy pairs and they raise them up and breed them so you know bloodlines get deleted pretty quickly when that happens um so i try to just go out and you know find two different breeders and hope that they're not really related so i'm sure if you really got into it, it's like anything i'm sure you could go out there and really yeah. find find it all uh rare earth has got a great line i mean they've been known for that but a lot of people buy them and then they breed them and then you know we, you know are they Freedom to something else is still red earth at that point, you know, so. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I guess I'm par with a lot of the Australian animals. I mean, we only go back so far because right. we end up, yeah. 
in a exactly nice and then that's kind of what i was talking about earlier about the reds and the yellows like the two different subspecies and you know i'm sure then there's you know i've heard people saying i mean if you look at a yellow and you look at a red you can you can kind of tell the difference if you have them kind of mixed you can't tell the difference i'm sure some yellows look like reds and some reds look like yellows so i'm sure over the time and when they're babies they probably look closer to than the adults do so you know i'm sure over the time those those bloodlines got muddied up from from the subspecies being bred together like carpets then you know people start bringing some some diamonds into the jungle and everything else right and then someone didn't and it still got you know still has diamond lined in there at some point mm-hmm. so i just found the animals i liked and the, the, the adults are pretty so and they're consoled to me as red so i just went with that now i don't really know as as popular as they probably should be i mean more people probably have savannah monitors unfortunately or Black throat monitors or something than Aki's. How many? Because they're so much bigger and not great pets, but Aki's are obviously. They're also, they're also, yeah. Yeah. Savannah's are also 20 bucks. Yeah. You know. Dang. So, yeah. (laughs) So it's that part. The black throats are tougher to get to, but yeah, they're, you know, they don't have that. They don't have that big monitor feel that people want to go for. I mean, it's like a Burmese python. I mean, go look on Craigslist now. You can probably go find a bunch of berms that people thought were cool and they're, you know, 18 inches or two feet long and stuff. And it's the same, you know, same with those bigger monitors, I'm sure. I've, I've never kept them. I've never had the space to keep them. I mean, if you look at one, I mean, think about what do you have to keep one of those things in and feed it. And 20 and gallon tanks. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's all you need. And then you're good yeah. to go. And yeah, you're in a heat rock and you're <laughs> yeah. all set. Um, but they are monitor species. I mean, you do have to keep them warm. Uh, way more low maintenance than I thought they were going to be. Um, I don't know if my dirt has become like bioactive, but they just don't really smell that much. They're just not that dirty animals. You know, the one thing that's kind of frustrating is that every time you, um, you feed them, they do go to the bathroom. I usually on top of that top tile running right underneath the heat lamp. So that's always pleasant. <laughs> You know, like kind of open it up. Yeah, it's like a stank. I mean, it's, it's, but then it just wipes out or dries out. But if it's like fresh underneath the heat lamp, it's definitely, you'll you'll kind of notice it. But like on an everyday, you know, there's not an odor that comes from, you know, not anything more than than the snakes do or anything like that. Or, you know, we have tortoises too. And those are dirty animals. (laughs) Those are mess. They're messy animals for sure. Um, So, I mean, as far as that goes, they make great animals. They got great personalities and they're, um, they should be kept by a lot more people. But, you know, they do get fairly good size and they need some space as well. You know, you can't really just keep them in a 20, get 20 long your whole, their whole lives or anything, even as singles, you know, and the bigger ones are cool. (laughs) I don't, I haven't heard of many people who are like, specializing in Ackies. Is there an Aki guy out there somewhere who breeds this Ackies or has the nicest Ackies or anything like that? Well, no one that I, that I really know that specializes in only Ackies. I know people that specialize in dwarf monitors. So I think once it's, you know, it's kind of like carpet pythons, you're like, oh, I've got, uh, I've got a pair of jungles. And it's like, well, then I got to get inlands and then I've got to get Darwin's and I've got to get Bradley eye. So it's kind of same thing with the dwarf monitor species. There's so many small, and there's some really cool ones too. I mean, I'd like to get into them. I just don't have the space for it um, to get into them. So there, there's a few guys that, um, that have really great stock, but they have a lot of other animals too at the same time. Rare earth is, I mean, if you go on their site, they've got, you know, they keep five different species of, you know, of the dwarf monitors. Um, I think we talked about this earlier, but I forgot. And our friend Dan just joined the podcast and he asked, what are the cage requirements for Ackies? 
I know we're talking um, about it. I know, but I just, no, that's I fine. We, we can touch on it. Yeah, no problem. Um, for my adults, I keep them in a four foot, four foot long by two feet deep by three foot tall. Um, and that's for a pair. They have a, they have, it's, it's plenty of room for that. I'd maybe add one more animal in that size. Anything bigger than that or more animals, I'd probably go to like six feet with those same dimensions. Um, and I mean, you could probably go alone in like a 36 long cage, you know, something like that. But usually four foot's usually where I kind of stick to. We okay. lose you again? I just wanted to, <laughs> yeah. no, you cut out for no, okay. a second, but then it was just <laughs> Sorry, us like doing... processing it. I was typing and then you He was you typing, were yeah, thinking. no. That's, that's a well, bad we, combo. We broke, we, we broke up a lot earlier, so oh, I was really? like, oh, no, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was a little bit struggle. Great, yeah. Oh, no. It was yeah. a train wreck Damn, for a second. But we have like good. four yeah. podcasts yeah. in a row with no te- technical difficulties. This is bound to happen soon. <laughs> I, I think it was my, uh, I was in my bunker. I was in the reptile room in the garage. Maybe that's the reason why, I don't know. Technology. I wonder if that's the most used room in a house for snake rooms. I feel like the garage is where a lot of people keep theirs. If your wife gets gets her way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We hit a point where we just, we have a a three bedroom house and we, so we don't have, and we have two kids. So we have our master bedroom and then the kids each have their room. And then after that, there's, I mean, it's Texas. We don't have basements, which is highly frustrating. I grew up in the Midwest. So I'm just used to having a basement where you're like, wow, we have an extra 2000 square feet below our house. We can use for random stuff, you know, and build a big rough house. See, I'm it's so weird. Like I'm from the South. That's not, a th- it's like, why do you need that? But we're moving I'm to from... Philly, which has a basement. And, just wait but it's so because <laughs> when we were looking it at like a, doesn't even count yeah it, it doesn't I was gonna count, say no. butthead you yeah. took my sentence um <laughs> when we were looking for apartments and you look at the square footage it would say like 900 square feet i'm like there's no way this three-floor row house is only 900 square feet but you realize they don't count the basements sure in the square footage and i don't get yeah. it it's a room like it, it counts yeah like, I, it doesn't it does i don't know why they don't count it but it's awesome that they have them <laughs> so jealous that's what that makes me want flood to or like when the snow melts doesn't it flood no i mean i mean they, there might be they might get damp a little bit but like i mean we're like up in wisconsin where it's winter time it's people use their basements they make rec rooms out of them so you have bars downstairs in the basement and you know, would you be scared set to up to like an extra living room in the basement uh, I would not. No, I would definitely have a room built on there for sure. And there's, they're all heated. You can finish them, you know. So you have drywall. You've got drop ceiling. Ours is finished, HVAC which is good. There. It has like tile. Yeah. Our laundry rooms in the basement. So we've been debating when we move whether to put the it snakes. It just depends on if it stays nice and warm or if it's really cool, right. like much cooler. Uh, true. True. I like to just spec things out. We just, yeah, yeah we don't know right. how it'll be. But the thing is, we're moving in the summer, so we have to decide now. We hot as balls everywhere. We have. I will we say, have... They, it's weirdly enough, it's like the reverse. They're actually cooler in the summertime and like warmer in the wintertime. Really? So yeah. So if you're running ambient, you I mean that, that was my experience in Wisconsin because we always be like, let's go to the basement. It's nice and cool. <laughs> and so, and then during wintertime, if there's heat in the house, it's insulated from the ground, usually, you know, from, from everything, all the, the snow and everything, that, that's usually warmer during the wintertime. So that might with, 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 with added heat. So then, yeah, the with added heat. Maybe that's also a thing that was weird to me about the North that y'all heat shit from the ground. In the South, our <laughs> vents are on the ceiling. <laughs> Like, that is weird. 
I've never seen that. And even in probably so the cold air drops down and then the warm air rises up. Like we get it when you can stand (laughs) under the vent and like feel it and it feels amazing. But then when you go to the north, it's just on your feet. Like fuck that. Or you saw one of those old like radiator type heaters and you were like, what the fuck is that? No, I know what a radiator is. I just didn't think we still had it. I thought that was old news by now. No, man. I didn't think people still use radiators. They still got them. (laughs) Right. A lot of old houses up there for sure. God, the north is so different. (laughs) Um, Yeah, one of my friends, um, do you guys know Chad Fuchs at all? He does a lot of clue breads and corn corn snakes and so on. He keeps, he breeds, he's got a lot of animals. He's been breeding corns for a very long time, but he does not, it's weird. He, he, I don't know how he, he sells a ton of animals like he produces a lot of great animals but he just does not market himself at all like zero marketing uh, but he's got the best i know seriously yeah yeah he's actually he's one of my i met him back in college and um i was one of my college roommates was actually went to high school with them like you got me chad you got me chad and they're like you got me brett you got me brett and also one night at the bar we ran into each other and we're like oh my god and we just sat in a corner and just geeked out over snakes back in like this is back in 95 or something like that you know and there wasn't a whole lot like there was a lot of internet excuse me yeah, <laughs> fuck you you're only two years yeah. older than me so do- how old were you in 95 i was two and you were four stop okay. acting like you're so much older no, than I me I was, I was 20 i was more fucking well, than you. You. I was 20 and i was four no, I wasn't. I was yeah, two. Yeah. You were four. Shit, I was only two. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't have internet. We didn't have. I mean, we had like. I remember being like freshman year in high like college. I was like, get on, like go to the computer lab, and you'd pull up a page, and you're like, oh wow, there's snakes on here, and you'd look at someone's price list, and it would just take like 45 minutes to download like a page, basically come down, and so, yeah, it's definitely kids are spoiled. I tell you. Hey, I grew up in the time of AOL. I know the like I can't even yeah. make it, that sound. Hey, we know the struggle. The little man running. The little yeah, the little yeah. the little yellow. Yeah, man. that's right. And you, when your that. mom would be on the phone at the same time you're trying to be on the internet and you have to Yeah. I know that struggle. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that's pretty that's interesting. So um he so he he keeps his room in the basement and so he's got a great reptile room down there that he built and framed it in and um he does all his clear breads down there. So yeah, it's a great place if you have a room for it and you can do it right. It's it's that way, it's why not, you know, take that take advantage of it. Yeah. I would definitely do it. I would not be in my garage. <laughs> awesome. So now I guess people are probably like you just went off for like fifteen minutes about basements but well <laughs> yeah sorry we need to that. get yeah. something out of this it's a too. It that's, yeah no that's like, like yeah. uh we we're doing this for us people out there so yeah. now yeah. you guys you don't want ackies you want a basement that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's exactly it save your money buy a house with a basement <laughs> don't buy ackies <laughs> but, but if you get the basement then maybe someday down the line you can get your ackies then you can get a black throat right exactly <laughs> then you can get your crock right. it's right. exactly. I can get whatever i want i think that so. that is true exactly yeah that's that's awesome no rules just right no you get there's rules from... we don't do things with legs you know this yeah it's someday I feel like uh, an Aki seems to be like the least upkeep, somewhere between an Aki or a Crested Gecko. or It doesn't seem like much upkeep keep as far as keeping and feeding. 
Yeah, it, I'm crazy. The crusteds are super easy. I mean, they're there's all you do is mix their powdered food together. Yeah, and you don't need heat. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't get. I, I did crusteds and lechianas for a while too. The giant geckos are cool. If you're ever looking for something with four legs, like that, the big uh, New Caledonians, like the giants, those things are they're awesome. They're they're really cool, um, and they're just like crusted geckos, but they're bigger and like a lot more bigger. But they eat dubious, so, and I'm a puss, so that's the only reason why I wouldn't get them. Yeah, but you could also skip the dubia thing and just do like the crested gecko diet, and then do uh, rodents for them too. Like they'll, oh, they'll really? learn to take things. They'll learn to take things for sure. Not they'll a lot. Baby corn you know. snakes or something. <laughs> they might. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's why you need a blackhead, right? Yeah, I mean that's why we hey, have a little kink snake. Let's talk well, about blackheads. <laughs> Oh my god, so I still ask? remember when we found your Instagram and we were going oh. through it and just like marveling over like, this is everything that we like. You're like, oh my god, this you're guy has four, all the things you want. You're only four hours away. <laughs> four hours away. Four. Come visit. It's only yeah, that's it's true. Only three and a half. Three hours, about three and a half. Three yeah, on a good bad. day. Yeah, yeah, which in Texas is yeah. except Texas traffic. <laughs> you heard our bad luck last time we went to Austin. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we went, I we not. went to go see the bats, and it was like apparently the only cold bats night where the true. bats didn't come out. Yeah, we but, stood in thirty-two degree weather for an hour and a half, oof. which is yeah, you know like terrible. never that's happens in Texas. <laughs> no, not at all. Were the bats even back at that point, or was it just like a free? They were day? under they there. We come could, back until the spring. Well, it we was it was unseasonably cold. Yeah, when so. did we go in like March? For sure. February, Matt, or, March or April? No, it wasn't April. I think it was February or March. We could hear them. So, but yeah, those little bats. They were there, but like two came out maybe. And it was so disappointing. Really I was like, we're to go. Yeah. There's millions of bats. It's going to be like amazing. He talked yeah. it up so much. Right. Like, we called the little hotline um, yeah. trying to make sure, like, all this shit. <laughs> Nothing. Right, right. It's. It's cool. It is slightly underwhelming. I will say, even on like a good day, oh. I mean, it's fun to go down to. But it's even if you're if you're in the wrong spot, if you're on the bridge, it's not bad. But it, it, it's kind of. I mean, we've taken some friends, and they've been like, "Oh, great, cool, yeah, that's amazing." Oh, we were like, we were <laughs> was, yeah. like, so I don't fuck around. I don't know. <laughs> we were in the, no, the it's Guano for, it is, drop it's, it's zone, neat, but it's it's not. Oh, we're after. Yeah, yeah, we were under we the bridge. We, were right, we just go down by the bridge. Yeah, and you can see it pretty good, but we, you know we're chasing like little two kids around and stuff too, so it's not that fun either at the same time when you're doing that. Um, but they'll come out. But I mean, you can see them fairly well, but at the same time, it is kind of hard to hard to see them. It's, I think it takes the right night too. Like if it's like kind of a clear night, so you can see them better. If it's like a little more overcast, they just kind of blend in a little bit. But it is kind of cool if they're there though, and they come back every year. I mean, it is it is pretty cool. All right, so we got yeah. <laughs> blackheads. <laughs> yes, blackheads and walnuts. We can how should we, should we hit those both up? Yeah, I don't even know what uh, the questions I'm... are. I just like them. Like, I I'll just I could I could tell you my experience with them if that yeah. if that helps. Um, I have more experience with walnuts than blackheads. I originally back in like 2000 i picked up a pair of walnuts and then a friend gave me a pair of the breed as well too um so i had like a really nice male from from rare earth back in the day i mean he was, he was gorgeous and a pretty good looking female but back then there wasn't a lot to pick from so i was, I was pretty stoked they had like a really nice male um so i bred those guys and it was it was breeding was just like any other python for the most part i'll have kind of do the winter drops and then introduce them during the winter um they bred and i kind of had some issues with the eggs but they did hatch out um, as far as personality with those guys, I mean, they're, they're cool. 
We lose you again. I got the little happy face just popped up. Oh. There, okay. sorry. <laughs> a little happy face popped up. That usually means bad. Um, Personality-wise, they're they're cool. They're just kind of like we were talking about earlier. They're just kind of like the Australian king snake, pretty much. I mean, they have they're so different. Their heads are just like little bullets, basically. They have good personalities. They do have this. They have a super strong feed and response. I mean, they they hit hard. Um, I got bit like a week ago, just by surprise, and it definitely was slightly unpleasant for the most part it also startled me i didn't see it coming <laughs> so uh if they bite on they hold on pretty well but they usually they have a great personality um a lot of people producing some really nice ones right now too i've seen a few clutches come out this year really nice crisp bands and i think that's you know people are starting to get more interested in them again where i think people should hopefully start selectively breeding getting some nice orange colors nice clean bands on them and, and that's kind of my goal i got a pair from justin Julander, and i mean i couldn't be happier i mean they are they're spectacular they're, they're, they're beautiful the bright orange bellies on them really nice orange bands so fingers crossed they're uh, uh when they breed this year for me so hopefully they go you know this next coming year for me and get some eggs and we'll see what happens if not definitely the following year they should go so you would know more than i would but i heard that like back in the day when they first came in the country like that was the like crown jewel of snakes was the woma and now I feel like there's not enough people appreciating them. Yeah, I think well, I think at the same time the blackheads came in at the same time too, which were I think just bigger and more difficult to breed. Um, so they were. I mean, I, I, when I had mine, I was selling them for like fifteen hundred a baby, which was awesome. <laughs> so that was pretty. Although I had like a nice clutch and I produced like four of them, you know, I have like nine eggs or something because just had some trouble with the eggs. Um, but I think that and that the fact that the babies eat really easy, like you can start the babies, they're just they they feed almost like on the first first offering. Where the blackheads were a lot different. They had you know bigger eggs, feel like smaller clutches, number of cl- eggs. Um, and they're difficult to start. So I think that kind of just kind of threw it off a little bit where it really kept the prices of the blackheads up higher and that the Womas were, you know, people were figuring them out and they're easy to start. And they also, they breed when they're young too. I mean, you can breed them within like three years to compare to the blackheads. So did you buy yours as babies or did you buy them as juveniles? <clears throat> I bought mine as, trying to think when that was a long time ago. I got them as juveniles, so they were they were started. Um, yeah, I'm trying to go back, trying to go back into memory banks up here. They were juveniles. Yeah, I did not buy those as babies. The ones I got from Justin this year are babies, um, and they're probably just coming up on three years, and they're a good four feet already, and they're eating medium rats. How so, long do you think it usually how, takes them to get yeah. to maturity? Um, I'd say anything probably after three years, I'd start looking at breeding them. So for for the Womas, I've heard definitely more than that for the blackheads um, i just had one female blackhead now she was i found her for sale on craigslist of all places for like nine hundred dollars like three miles from my house and i was like okay i can't let her pass <laughs> so i had some ackies i was holding back i sold those and i just went and met this guy in a parking lot and did the old parking lot trade and uh got her and she's awesome she was produced by don meeker she's really pretty she's got nice orange bands on her and nice black head and everything so she's she's really pretty um so that's been kind of my experience with the blackheads but they are are Compared to the Womas, they are they are smart animals. I mean, it's amazing. Like she'll go in her tub. I keep her like in a thirty six foot or thirty six inch long tub right now. She'll curl around the back of the tub and then come up and just like kind of size you up and like watch what you're doing for the most part. Where the other ones just kind of you know they kind of look at you a little bit, but <clears throat> there's something else going on in the in the blackheads for sure. I mean, they are they're 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 
kind of like a big bull snake for the most part, you know, or a big indigo. I mean, I, I kind of equate them to look like an indigo for the most part. So they're, they're like much one. more uh, visual. <clears throat> they are. I mean, I she'll come up and yeah, it's amazing. <clears throat> the first time when I got her, I put her in her tub and just kind of watched her a little bit. And she literally just turned around and was just like, whoop. And they just like key in on you. I mean, I've heard like retakes do that as well too. I don't keep those at all, but, um, and I'm sure some of the bigger Australian stuff they, they also do, <clears throat> but, uh, compared to the Wilmas, the Wilmas are just looking for food all the time, pretty much. <clears throat> now, they just, they, they just eat. That's all they want to do. <laughs> so a little different personality wise is between those two. Do you know if you're blackheads, uh, Eastern or Western? Um, I believe, you know, I thought I knew, but I'm not quite too sure. Actually, I think she's mixed. I'm pretty sure. I think she was produced from an Eastern, and the father was mixed. So I think she's like she's a mixed bloodline for that. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably, you know, I was kind of thinking about this yesterday. If I want to eventually try to get a male and breed them, or just keep her as a pet, kind of deal. Do you know, it. Just do, that. do it. Do keep it. it as a pet or breed them. Breed, <laughs> breed them. them. Breed <laughs> them. Um. Yeah. I. Yeah. We need Are a you... house. <laughs> are you room. cognizant of because uh, I've heard that people are really worried about getting them larger they say that they breed skinny as far as blackheads go so do you feed lightly or have you heard that I feed her way less than my woman's that's for sure um, and she's growing fast too I mean she's 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 taken off um, she's taken down like she's a yearling and she's already taken down just below small rats somewhere around there and she just did that for the first time so she was taking like um rat crawlers i guess for a while and i just moved up to one size and of course i pushed her into a shed right away <laughs> so i'm pretty much being her like every 14 days at this point being after a year and that's kind of you know kind of watching her if she seems like she wants a little bit more or something a little skinnier then i'll feed her another one if not i'll just kind of wait and see but she definitely doesn't they're from my understanding from what i'm seeing out of her compared to my pair of walnuts. and again it's just one one female for sample size but I'll pull out the tub and she'll just kind of be there and ready to come out and kind of, you know, explore more so than just looking for food. The woman's open it up and they're just, you know, they're looking right away for food. So, I mean, we should probably, for us, we want to talk about blackheads, but we should probably go back and talk about how to breed Womas for everyone else. <clears throat> Um, as far as the breeding goes, I just kind of, I, I started to cool them down. Um, just like in the typical, like up North would always kind of say we'd do, um, Thanksgiving and then kind of run it through February or beginning of February. Um, so I just kind of started doing like, like dropping the temps a little bit. And then I think just the outside pressure, like we we're talking about earlier, the environment, they just feel it. I mean, it's, it's, it's dark out at four o'clock up in, up in those, I, I lived in Chicago for a long time too. So I, I lived in Wisconsin, then moved to Chicago for 15 years. We've been in Texas for six years. So you know, prior to this last six years, we had the Midwest kind of helping us with their, their winters, helping us breed up there. Um, so once it starts getting dark out and starts cooling down so much, I mean, you're just, your house is, it's just chillier and stuff. So I think that really kind of helped put them in the cycle. Um, just in hell to them and they locked up instantly and they, they bred a lot. Um, she didn't really, she fed pretty much the whole time too, while, while she was, you know, gravid up until the point where she really started to get gravid and she would do the belly roll, you know, she'd roll over and stick her belly straight up in the air and everything, which is always pretty cool to see. I mean, like it'd be like two thirds of her body, but belly sticking up, you know, underneath her basket. So that's pretty, that's always pretty cool to see. So um, the males a, just went right back. Food. Spot? 
Um, I do. Yeah, I, I keep basking spots for all my animals. I mean, I could probably get away with it in summer here, but being out in the garage, I'm concerned about, you know, if it gets too drafty out there, it definitely won't be warm enough. Um, and I run an HVAC heater out there, so I just kind of manipulate the vent for how warm I want the room to kind of get. Um, but I do run basking spots for all my animals. And are you doing that via so, heat tape or a bulb? <laughs> yep. Yeah, for the Womas, I have heat panels in their in their cages. Uh, they're in like 40 inch long by two foot by 18 or by 12 inches high. So I'm keeping my Womas in, and the the blackhead's in the tub right now. So she's in a 36 inch long tub. So she has belly belly heat for that one. And so I'm just running the uh, thermostat or uh, yeah, a real stat for those guys. What are you running it at? So and she's going uh 88 degrees okay. so I, I keep those guys about 88 on the warm side and the cooler side probably drops down to uh and that's i've got a couple of animals that are in there so it maybe you know i during the summertime i guess I, i'm right between like 86 to 88 degrees so if i feel like the room's kind of starting to get a little bit warm like this time of year i'll drop it down to 86 just because i know the rest of the ambience coming up there so i don't want to make it too hot when it's kicking on but to be honest i'm sure my heat probably doesn't run that often throughout the day you know i'm sure it's showing off probably more than it's on actually Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's going to go into a much bigger cage when she gets a little bigger, which will probably be by the end of this year. Awesome. And I'll probably pick up uh, maybe some AP cages. I just should probably order them now. I love them. They're great. They just take a really long time to get here. Yeah, order like, them now. <laughs> six months, you know, whatever. Yeah, they'll, they'll be here. I mean, they are awesome. I mean, my, my cages I have for my for my inlands and my male ruffy and my angolans, I, I keep them in 48-inch longs, and they're really, really solid cages. So I've been happy with those. Uh, JPM's down here. You guys have probably seen them off the show up there. They've got some nice cages too, and he's actually local to Austin, so I can just go pick up from his warehouse. Uh, I might scoop some up from him as well too on the next cages. A little bit light, light, a little bit less expensive, and they're way lighter too. They're all deal with like easy fronts, so so I might try to go that that route for for her when she gets bigger. And that's why I was trying to figure out if I want to get a male, but I might just even wait a year and then get a male, and you know, kind of let her get up to a good size and let her get up really nice and nice nice breeder size. And by the time he reaches up there, she should be ready as well. I've kind of started doing that a little bit more, um, just in my collection in general, trying to get females first, giving them a head start for like a year or two, and then get a male whenever you know find a nice smile instead of trying to buy a pair right off the bat. And you know, especially if they're related, seems to work out. And kind of found over the years that if you're looking for an animal, you can always find one. I mean, they're they come available at some point. Well, I was about to ask that. Is it hard to find blackheads out there? <laughs> I don't. A lot of people are producing them. I mean, there's there's a lot being produced right now. The price is still up there, and there's some. I mean, kind of like the Womas, people are starting to really select the breed. I mean, they're not just producing blackheads. I mean, they're producing some really cool morphs of those guys now. Like the Xanthic stuff's really cool, um, and just some really nice, beautiful, like the like just nice color bands on them. They're really nice, clean bands, and that's kind of usually what I look for between the Womas and the blackheads. I just want nice, clean, crisp bands, and I think they hold on to that better as adults. If they kind of zigzagged and kind of mushed up a little bit when they're younger, I think they develop that way they get older have you seen the uh, albinos i have yeah and i heard I, they're in the uk you'd call, them, you'd call them whiteheads right is that what they're probably called yeah. then, <laughs> i don't know why that's I mean, funny <laughs> right i don't either <laughs> but it's funny <laughs> right it's yeah kind it's of, fucked um... up to have a black head with a white head <laughs> Right, exactly. They're cool. I'm curious to see what they look like as adults. I don't know. You know, I don't. I'm sure there's adults, aren't there? Are they where they produce from huts? Or are they produced from albinos? You know, I, do I think they're produced from huts. I think they're produced from huts. Paul Harris, who produced them, though, but uh, you know, who knows how they got to Europe? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I'm, I can't wait to see what they look like for adults. 
you know, it's yeah. kind of the opposite. They, they look amazing as babies, which is like the complete opposite of like albino carpets. Um, you know, they're they're hard to tell what they actually are going to look like until they get older. They're just so like just yellow. You know, like they have no like be, yeah. yeah, exactly. You can't really see the contrast and can't really see the patterns that well. But that thing, man, I was like, it's it's, it's sharp. I've kind of, to be honest, I've gotten away from morphs in general. I don't think the only morphs I have are my my ball pythons. We have a, a white blue eyed leucistic male that I. That's bottom for my 40th birthday. And that's kind of when I started getting back into snakes a little bit, like three years ago. Um, <clears throat> I picked him up, and then I have a, a pinstripe Mojave female ball python. So just between those two, those are really my only two morphs. Everything else I have are all, are all natural recurring animals. Well, you also have the most beautiful naturally occurring animal. As far as a blackhead, <laughs> well, fuck cool. off with Xanic. <laughs> Xanic looks like dog shit compared to a regular blackhead, Like, yeah, in my opinion. That's- I like Xanthic. I mean, I, I do like Xanthic animals in general. To be honest with you, uh, yeah. I just if I if I, if I were to pick a morph, I think in general for different animals, that's always one I do. For some reason, the black and gray, like the little corn that you guys produce, man, like that's cool. I, I think that's awesome. Like, See, Xanthic I would understand if it was black and white, but it's usually right. like muddy gray. At, at yeah, least in the yeah. black. I don't. I don't love it in the yeah. black heads. Right, right, right. Totally get it. I get it. Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, that is part of it, too. I was able to, you know, over the last couple of years, be able to put some animals together that don't need to have morphs, really, when it comes down to it. I mean, like the inlands on a good day, they're they're blue. I mean, they're like powder blue. It's cool. Not, you know, their underlying scales are. Um, and the rough scales are just, they're, they're really cool animals in general, too. I mean, they're just rockers they're weird i mean you get one in your hands and you hold it's in the way it moves and the head structure on them is and they're rough scales i mean they're just they're they're neat you know it's like why hopefully there's nothing pops up <laughs> hopefully no one breathes into anything and they just say what they are because they're cool and they the angolans man they're they're i didn't think i'd like them as much and then when i got one i actually got an adult female in my male's younger um they are they're awesome dude they're so cool i've heard so much um, about i mean People are really getting into them as far as there's not too many people breeding them readily, but also people say how, um, like interactive they are and much different than, you know, people kind of associate them with ball pythons, but they look, yeah, they look just like a ball python. I mean, they shattered, but they're kind of more like, they're like that Burmese python that hits like four feet and you're like, this is a cool snake, you know? Um, they just have like the good body weight to them, but you know, they're not going to get like 12 or 14 feet and, you know, eat rabbits or whatever they're going to eat someday. They top off, you know, between like four, six range and stuff. And they're just, they, they're, they're impressive when you hold one. And like Terry Burrell was over and he was always kind of same Angolans and he left. He's like, I gotta go find Angolans. <laughs> so he started getting on the hunt for him and looking for him, but he was totally blown away with them as well, too. He thought they're they're awesome. Yeah. What is it gonna take for blackheads to come down a little bit? <laughs> um, I think the babies need to start feeding easier so these guys don't have to put all the time and effort in. They're trying to get the babies just to feed, you know, okay. that, that stress. Um, I think it's going to be a few more years. I think they're going to, I mean, they seem to be up there still. And it's, they've been here for a long time. So. Very up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. They are for sure. And like I said, if I didn't have, if I didn't have like, you know, a little trio of activities that I was holding back and the guy was just randomly had one for like 900 bucks around the corner for me, I probably wouldn't have one at this point either. But I was like, all right, I got to jump on it. And then I'm sure I'll get a mail at some point. I was talking to Jim Sargent down with, um, you guys brought him up the other day. You saw him at the show at the uh, Arlington show. Is he, he split has all rock? The really beautiful. 
Split Rock, thank you. Yeah, yes. I always want to say Slippery Rock. Yeah, Split Rock. Uh, I've been talking with him <laughs> a little bit rock. too, and he's like, "Yeah, I know, right?" <laughs> he's like, "Come down, check them out," you know. And I'm like, "Yeah, it's probably the worst idea for me oh, to go down there. You'd walk and away look at your with animals." One. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, like I, can you guys, I, I'm gonna run and grab my ear, my other earbuds really quick. This, I think this one's running out of juice. Oh no! Okay, we, go for it. Yeah, I'll be I'll be right back. One second. But I love I love his uh, Swiss line. I mean, that's why I was saying he would go see him and walk away. Like, like I almost wanted to give the th- only thousand dollars I had in my bank account to buy one. Oh man! Like they were just so pretty. Yeah. But I, I and if I'm gonna do it, like you're gonna do it right. Like don't fuck around. <laughs> you know, right. like get a really nice animal yeah. if you're gonna get. Now he talked about how difficult they are to get feeding so would you still want a baby bucket or would you well because any responsible breeder is going to get them feeding first yeah but they could still be once they can't get here they could still be yeah so why don't we get like a yearling one i'm saying this like we have beggars are choosers yeah but there could still be yearling (laughs) ones out there um the ones we saw at any rbc were probably pretty close to yearlings yeah they they were were pretty size yeah Um, it probably takes a year for you to find enough suitable homes for you know for all of them because they're yeah. so pricey i doubt well yeah and there's just a, it's a very niche thing i like, doubt we love them, readers but most are selling people, out immediately well but most people don't even know what the hell they are that's the only issue is no one's out there you know showing them off enough for people right. to get interested but people are breeding them they're just not showing them off because he said he doesn't have a hard time finding i feel like it's just heads. uh it, i feel all the guys I know are not like social media guys. They're not guys who put their stuff out there. Okay. Just um, by at least that's what I found in Blackheads, at least. Yeah, there's. Um, can you guys hear me okay? Yes. Yeah. Okay, awesome. I was like, I hope these headphones work. Otherwise, I'm going to have a panic attack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm like, everything else is going wrong. Um, <clears throat> there, um, There's a bunch of guys out there. I mean, Derek Roddy's got amazing stock. Don Meeker produces stuff. Um, Split Rock produces really beautiful stuff in the states uh josh hood i mean that dude i i feel like he's produced a ton of blackheads this year too so people are producing them i think it's just like that startup and i don't know it's, it's interesting to see a market that does hold its place it's great you know it's nice to see i'm, I'm hoping the rough scales do it eventually you know it's 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 so weird because i mean everything gets compared to the ball python market which has completely just became a money thing and everything dropped out but it like it's not hard to breed ball pythons and get them out there and if you know people try to recoup their money and stuff so it's, it's nice to see the blackhead market actually stay up um hopefully it does i mean it'd be awesome if it does and i think with people producing better and better animals hopefully at that point it's just gonna you know there's just gonna be better animals and the market stays you know kind of where it's at or if it does come down it still does hold a nicer value up there too because um, it definitely keeps the guys who are breeding them producing nice animals and better animals too um, some people just start getting their hands on animals and they just breed them together just to breed them and they don't really care what they turn out like and it's cool when you're breeding species you, got, you know like you know straight blackheads but when you can start producing nicer ones it's get to it and do it you know yeah so now talking about rough scales um where are you <laughs> with them and kind of when did you get into them um, I got into him when I went over to Terry Burrell's house who happened to live, um, Terry was, he was in Austin here, which I didn't realize. So I, I ran into him somewhere. I forgot where, um, maybe through Facebook or some random, I'm like, Oh weird. This dude's in Austin. All right, cool. So I went over to his house and, um, I was just like, I was blown away. I mean, he had diamonds and rhinos and black milks and rough 
scales and all kinds of cool stuff. And I was like, I've never held one. He's like, Oh, let's bring out, you know, here's my mail. So he brings it out. I'm like, this thing's really cool. Um, leaving at that point, I didn't go home and say, I have to have those. I'm like, they're really, they're cool. They're neat. Um, but they kind of stuck with me a little bit, you know? And then another guy locally was selling them, selling a pair for like 1500 bucks. He had to get some money to help for his mom's surgery or I don't know who knows what the story was. <laughs> so Terry's like, I don't know him. Could you drive down to like Buddha or wherever this is <clears throat> get and buy them and then basically ship them to me. Cause he had then now moved out to South Carolina for like the summer or something like that. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll do it. So I went and got some money out and drove over there to be able to met this guy and got him. Everything was cool. I was like, I didn't get jacked, which I was kind of like, all right, this seems a little, <laughs> like, I don't know this guy either. You know, we'll see how this goes. Uh, got back to the house and I set him up and I was like, and I had him for like, you know, literally 24 hours. And then after that, I was like, I have to have some of these guys. These guys are, these guys are cool, man. They're, they're amazing. Um, their eyes are just, they're so cool. They're like slate gray eyes and uh, just really nice big heads on them and everything. They're just, they're really cool. Um, so Terry, of course, like, you know, kind of, we came across this guy selling an adult pair. And he's like, maybe he wants Ackies. Ha ha. Cause I was trading some Ackies at the time. So he messaged this guy and the guy's like, actually I would. And I was like, okay, well let's, you know, let's see how serious he is. Um, so I offered up a clutch of Ackies and some cash for him and I got in the adult pair and <clears throat> everything was going good until my female shed. And I could totally just see the the hemipene shed out and i was like that's a male so i went and um i sexed her again which you know at this point now when i get any animals in i sex them right off the bat because you know it sucks to raise up some animals and i didn't raise these up i you know they were adults but at the same time i was like i put a good chunk of money in it and a whole clutch of ackies and everything else thinking like all right cool if i can get them settle them in if they don't go this year then hopefully next year we'll get a shot at it you know like all i want is a shot i'm not saying i'm gonna breed them or gonna be successful i just want a chance i want to try to see if i can breed them as well too man because the thought of having a little clutch with a little rough skill head popping out man is just like would be it'd be awesome um so that that didn't work out very well <laughs> so i went and tracked down a female from uh david d up in colorado got her in and she's awesome and she's just she's really but she's small and she's young and it's gonna be years before she go um but they are really they're awesome little babies they're 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 cool when they're small just even compared to the adults they just look like you know miniature miniature adults um and then a fellow contacted me that's um that had kind of bad luck like i did you know his his male passed away he's like it never really thrived didn't have a whole lot of good luck in him you know getting him growing up to size and stuff so i have a lone female would you be interested in just taking her in on a breeding loan and see if you could breed her you know throw them to one of your males and i was like I would send you my mails if you want, because you've been breeding all kinds of stuff for a lot longer than I have. And, I, you know, he's like, no, you know what? I'm trying to step back a little bit. I want you to take a shot at it and see what you can do. And, you know, send me half the babies if it works out. So here we are. You know, we've got an adult male, adult female, two adult males, and we'll see what happens. So the timing's right. You know, we got them in the summer. Hopefully try to cycle them this winter. And I mean, I did a ton of research on them last year on breeding and just read everything I possibly could and made charts and had it all lined up exactly what I was going to do until I figured out I had two males. And I was like heartbroken. I was like, dude, what? You gotta be kidding me, you know. <laughs> like, so and the guy I got him from was just getting. He had like he had these two snags. He's he doesn't have anything else to like back it up for other other place and stuff, you know. So it was just kind of like, and he was he was cool. He gave me a little money back on a deal or whatever, which which was fine, you know. At the end of the day, I still had two cool rough skills, but I had two males, you know. Trying to find a lone female that was gonna be breeder sizes, yeah. Good luck, you know. Yeah. It's not happening, you know. 
until I dumped into one and <laughs> dumb, dumb, luck, dumb luck found one, you know? So, uh, yeah. And then I can thank Chad Gray for that too. Cause he, he put a good word in for me and, you know, reached out to this guy and said, Hey man, here's, here's a couple loan mails. If you guys are looking to try to work something out. So that was, that was really cool. Definitely appreciate that. I mean, think about um, how many people have adult females in the country in general of rough. Stuff. I know. I know exactly. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm like, you know, honored that this guy, is trusting enough one to send me you know send her send her to me and let me try to work with her so you know like i said i was like i'll send you my mails <laughs> i'll be more than happy like whatever way see, see, yeah see if you can do it you know and he's like no no just just go for it man you got your mails but you know i'm, I'm stepping back a little bit so i was like all right cool let's let's now, see what we can do changing the room and the cycle around at all for them or are you for them i'm gonna do a night drop so i've heard you bring them just like chondros basically reading up how to breed uh green tree carpets or green tree carpets uh, green tree pythons um so i'm gonna drop the temps a little bit you know and just start cooling them down uh come fall basically just try to breed them just like the chondros which i've never done before either so (laughs) (laughs) but i've read a lot so we'll see if that gets me in the right direction um so i don't know man it's just I've, I've had fairly good luck breeding animals in the past just by kind of let them, let them do it themselves basically and not, not overcomplicate things, keep them well, you know, get them fed kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of feed cycling them right now too, where I've, I'm keeping a maintained, you know, diet, but I, I'm definitely going to step that up and start feeding them heavier in the fall, right? You know, then let them clear out and start to cool them down and we'll see. Maybe I'm totally wrong and it totally doesn't work. And, you know, I have to adjust something for next year, but I don't know. Just got to try. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, like pretty much everything I've tried to breed, I've, I was able to breed in, in the past, you know, one way or another, just by kind of letting them do it and just kind of, you know, trying to get as many tips as possible, just reading up on everything I possibly can and, and talking to people and just trying to get little insights and, and then also knowing what works for me. Cause I mean, and obviously what people in different states and different locations may not work for me. Right. Um, you know, it's like, you know, I guess that's except with that hard time with the hog now is trying to get like a good answer what to do with those guys. Cause so many people do different things with them. You know, like my buddy Chad, that doesn't, he doesn't do anything. He just chill. He just, he cycle feeds them basically. And he just starts feeds really light and then feeds them really heavy and then puts them together. And other people are like, Oh, you got to cycle them. And you know, you got temperature cycle them and so on. So I just, you know, see what these guys can do. And they they got good size too. I mean, Hopefully they like each other and we'll see. <laughs> yeah. It could be a good year. The Inlands are up to size and the Angolans are hopefully up to size. Uh, my males are young for both of those guys, but so, I mean, it, it could be a fun year. But this so. is your year where everything's kind of coming to age at the same time. It is. It completely is 100%. Yeah, the, the Walmos, the Ball Pythons, the Inlands, the Angolans, and the Rough Scales. That's so nice. I found a, a big wine fridge. <laughs> Some guy, actually randomly in my neighborhood, Craigslist once again coming through, found a big um, a, a, a wine fridge that held like, I don't know, like 88 bottles of wine or something like that. Like, I don't know who has 88 bottles of wine. But this guy, I guess, felt the need to have a big refrigerator and it stopped working on him. So I'm like, I'll take it. And like, this, uh, I'm going to turn that to the incubator and hopefully get some uh, some bigger boxes and hopefully fill those up next year and have some luck. And they all should incubate about the same temperature. So that should be that should be good. So 
Hopefully, I just get one of those either, big suckers either filled. Be a very like <laughs> overwhelming year or a very disappointing yes. year. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, totally. I'm yeah. I'm all set for disappointing, which would be fine. You know, still have the animals in the end as long as everybody comes out of it healthy, and or if it does work out. I mean, even if one or two go, if one goes, it'd be amazing. Whichever ones it is, you know, it'll probably be the ball pythons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you'll breed all of them right. besides the ball pythons. Yeah, that'd be yeah. Which we all right with that too. That'd be cool too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. Fingers crossed on it all. So we'll see. And then plus plus you know plus Aki's. <laughs> well, those are probably another 30 Yakis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another 30 Yakis next summer, too. So uh, I could get busy. So, yeah, that whole room needs to be, I have to re, uh, readjust everything and then re Tetris the room and figure out where the, where, where to put stuff. I've got some ideas how I want to do it and get some more racks for the babies and kind of get that set up, you know. Although I don't want to go buy a bunch of racks and also nappies. <laughs> Or buy racks, get eggs, or buy get eggs, buy racks and don't hatch them, then be stuck with a bunch of baby racks again or something like that. So yeah, we'll see how it all works out. It'll be interesting. So you know, being the first year. Yeah, you always got to be optimistic. So. Don't prepare. So I am, I am. Yeah, I you know the I had a, I had a rough time with the the hog nose. Those things are they gave me a hard time. Oh, I got <laughs> My slugs out of mine female, this year. I. I got them. slugs in the first class. Actually, they look good and they they failed and then the female double clutch and then she passed away. So I lost my female, which was a double head snow anaconda female bred to an anaconda. What was it? Head snow male, albino anaconda head snow male. So I ended up with like four, eight, five eggs. <clears throat> Everything looked good. And I ended up hatching out. So I've got actually did hatch out like an anaconda snow and stuff. But I produced like a super anaconda snow which was solid white you know animal you made good that was of course odds. like very good odds. yeah full term in the eggs and, and didn't make it <laughs> so yeah and i was just like so i cut the egg open and i was like well, what do you know <laughs> like awesome one in 32 chance of having this this little this little one come out wow. but i guess so it, it wasn't for for him her but it was that yeah so after that whole thing i'm like all right and then my male you know after losing that then the female passed away which is really sucked you know i felt terrible about that that happening and then my roughly my female roughly becomes a male you know it's like that whole little downturn there i was just like oh kicking the gut kicking the gut well i have heard the same thing that you kind of mentioned with ackies is that the females and hognose are very prolific but kind of burn out rather quickly and they don't seem to have a big breeding life or lifespan in general. Right. Which I, I don't doubt. I mean, those hognose, the way that they're the clutches, I mean, it's amazing how many eggs come out of those little things. I mean, it's those, they're, they are cool though. I mean, like how small the males are compared to the females. And then the female just drops like, you know, like 20 eggs and you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> this is crazy. But I mean, if they're doing that and they're doing it at so young too, but I think there's an issue with, feeding them strictly rodents and also raising them too fast. I think that's also an issue with those guys. Um, you know, I feel like the Aki's just would just do it naturally. I don't know if the hog nose would breed that, that, you know, that young in, in the wild. Yeah. It's kind of a, uh, you know, people have taken a ball Python attitude with them more so than, uh, others. Cause you know, there's morphs and there's stuff to be had. So people want, Oh to yeah, for up. sure. And you want to grow them up, and yeah, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty. I do the too. same. I yeah. raise them up fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like totally did the same thing, and you know. So, but I've I've talked to some other breeders that have have gone through, and they're like, that's just what they do. You know, it's it's unfortunate it happens to them and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that sucks. <laughs> so, no more of those guys. And plus, they're native to Texas, so I had to deal with the whole permit issues and stuff like that. 
Wait, 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 what? <laughs> well, we're moving in two weeks. Did we tell you that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, no, it's weird. So you can you can you can go and buy them right with no permits at all and you can keep them and i forgot what the number is it's like up to six or something like that it's either six or 25 there's there's like the white list and the black list there's like this whole different little thing um of which different species you can keep and how many of them so you don't need permits to do all that but if you if you want to sell one you need a permit to sell them in the state so we got slugs so (laughs) yeah so which is great you know so and it's not hard. You just have to go and you fill out some paperwork and they send you a permit. Then at the end of the year, like in August, you need a log, like a, a record of what you were keeping and what you produced and what you sold and what you have left. So uh, my female passed away and I sold the babies. I kept records of who I sold them to. And so now I just have to turn that back into the state. But I just didn't want to deal with that in general. I mean, to be honest with you, like there's, there's a lot. I mean, it's the same with like gray bands and that kind of stuff. Like I, you know, wanted to get gray bands. And I'm like, I just don't want to deal with the permits and, you know, that kind of spotlight on it. So I'll go Australia. <laughs> Legally born in the United States, Australian reptiles. Yeah, they were just legal like or illegal 30 years ago. You don't have to be a point of contact. Right. Yeah, have you read um, what book? Is I was just reading that one, uh, Stolen, Stolen World at all. Have you read yeah. that? Multiple. Yeah, times. I just got and lizard. Yeah. Things, as well. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, he, I got them both. He'll yeah, listen to listen. it like he he listens to it on well, audiobook. King, like it's the first time. It, it, he's still so into it. I don't get it. He could probably isn't memorized <laughs> awesome. at this point. If you like stuff like <laughs> that, uh, check out Snake Charmer. It's about oh, Joseph Lewinsky. Uh, sorry about that but i'm back i did not fall down the ipad fell <laughs> that was not me trying to get it and friend uh what was that one sorry what, uh, which would you suggest it's about a herpetologist uh joe slowinski he he got bitten by a snake on 9-11 so he was in borneo or some or burma rather or myanmar burma okay whatever it was called at the time and they couldn't save him because it was 9-11 he ended up dying so he couldn't reach the embassy or anything yeah gosh but it's cool like and he's not cool (laughs) well no the whole thing because you know he's a herpetologist and he's really into he's really like uh yeah but it's not cool because even more than he got bit because of his assistant right because of his assistant fucked up so there's lycodon in burma that look exactly like a many banded crate okay so his assistant was like, oh, yeah, I checked this out. It's a Lycodon. So he went into the bag, and he picked it up, and it was a crate. And, that's and it bit he... him, and he died. Yeah. And that was it. But he kept a journal up until he couldn't write anymore and then tried to enunciate as much as he could. Cause... Oh, but he, wow. basically, he basically journaled and kept track of his whole death. It was pretty cool. Well, interesting. What a terrible way to go. <laughs> Yeah, there's just multiple things against him. His assistant fucking up. It was 9-11. He's in freaking Burma. Yeah. Like, he was just, yeah. yeah. And he probably did, like, a total rookie mistake where he probably just doesn't usually just reach into a bag, you know, yep. without actually really identifying and everything. Right. That's crazy. That's, yeah, that's, yuck. I don't want that. Yeah, no venomous for me. I stay away from venomous. I'm too slow. Obviously, I get bit by Walmas and everything else <laughs> that I'm not. Yeah, I can't deal with the, the venomous stuff. Plus, having kids too. It's just I don't know. It's the right place and time for it and stuff. But I don't know. I just my luck. I'll get bit and I'll just like lose a finger or something like that. You know, and I'll be that guy. I just figure there's people for that. It have to be me. Yeah, we yeah. don't need to be that. Person. <laughs> 
Yeah, right. Exactly. So try to stay away from that. Uh, but yeah, I'll check that book out. Yeah, that's that's um, Lizard King and Stolen World and reading those guys. But yeah, going back to like you're saying, it's it's kind of interesting. You go back and read those, and it's like that wasn't that long ago no. that they're you know starting to bring the stuff into the country and, and produce it. So which and I how think it got so here and cool that I mean we still have some of those guys around. I want to know all the stories, but I want Tom Crutchfield to tell me everything without any bullshit. Yeah, you, Just tell me the yeah. truth. <laughs> Like you might, you probably need a few hours. Probably need a week <laughs> or two. Right. right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, that whole industry. Street, I mean, especially back in the day, back then. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And which is, I mean, yeah, it's 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 interesting how it's all changed from you know imports to captive breeding, which is awesome. You know, and if you have an Australian animal, appreciate that shit because someone really worked hard to break the law to get them to you so right well, right whether that's bad or good, I don't know. <laughs> right exactly yeah right right exactly but it's a miracle that yeah. we have them here yeah mine are from california yeah, utah yeah. <laughs> in the what? states here okay i wanted to ask a question 10 i know you were hitting ago, me because that's our sign for when i want to ask uh, something and you're you know well don't yeah say, oh, I know, you but... know that and you've been ignoring it for the past 10 minutes i've been giving you the damn signal Go. and you just keep talking um well now it doesn't even sound like doesn't make sense because we're way off the topic but, but i was gonna ask how bad is it that i look at a rough scaled and a brettles and i see the same thing was bumpy. But like when I look at pictures, like I just, like I was just googling it while we were talking. I was like those look like the same fucking sink to me. And I'm, is that like noob level bad or like a novice <coughs> get those? I don't know. How bad is it? Is what I'm asking. They're they're pretty different. Okay. <laughs> if you see if you their their eyes are very close to each other. I will give you that. Like if you look at their eyes, like the same blue eyes, they both kind of have that slate gray eye. So that's for sure. But to um, me, like the ba- the the when you look down the thing that looks the same to me the rough scales are way more like a rock chondro they look just like a green tree python basically like they have the same structure they move kind of a lot like one they really when you hold one in your hand you're like it looks like a chondro it's weird and their heads look a lot more like them bradley i get like they get those big wedge heads on them and they get more reds and yellows and blacks and that kind of stuff and then where the where the rough scales are really dark brown and kind of like a lighter butterscotch color that's kind of mixed into it and I feel like um, I'm sorry. Bread, Look lie, at that. bread Look lie at that are one. very yeah, but bread lie are very heavy bodied is. and seem mostly ter- terrestrial. When rough scales seem to be more. Look at those two pictures chondro. that are up on the screen no, right no, now. No, those look like the same fucking snake. But one has keeled <laughs> scales. It's very very. I mean, different. I understand that, but when you're looking at a picture, you can't see keeled and then scales this in a is picture. More so more of a green tree rather or you would know more than i would i mean as far as behavior wise i'm not saying that i'm saying pictures i've I've had i've had both (laughs) and my the rough scales do act more like a chondro i think than 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 the bread they are more like a carpet python they they kind of they're they'll climb and do the same things but they like to hide box on the ground my guys hide up in the they're in their hide boxes all the time they're elevated uh for the for the um rough scales I, I don't know if I can agree with you. 
You was a stupid. You should get one of each. You just, just you guys should buy one of each. They look the same. It's blasphemy for anyone who has any respect for Moralia to say a rough story of the red line back and I'm forth. I'm not but... saying they are the same snake by any means. I know if I held one in my hand, I could tell the difference. Well, rough scales have actually... You would definitely tell the difference. Yeah. But when I'm just looking at these two pictures I have up on Google right now, right, right, they look but... very similar. Rough scales have probably the smallest range of any python, especially in Moralia by far, but they're condensed to... They thought that they were extinct until a few, a few Again, individuals were found. doesn't fucking matter when I'm looking at Google well, pictures. I'm telling you, I'm not taking into factor anything else about them other than the pictures. Ugh, never mind. Take it back. Rewind. Well, everyone else hates you. Like, who's no, like, any morality Jackie, person's like... What, Jackie Crowell agreed with me, so tough titties. <laughs> Um, one thing that's kind of cool about the rough scales is someone suggested to use like the reach stacks that I use for the Aki's, like those layers, you know, like the shelvins. I use those for the rough scales too. And they use them for thermoregulated and they get themselves way wedged in there. And someone was saying it's kind of like what they do in the wild too, with like getting in between the rock cliffs and that they're in. I wish I could figure out a way to do them like vertically on the back of the wall so they could wedge themselves in like a shelf like that. But um, they use those things a lot, which was kind of interesting. Like I put them in and they immediately all went to one. Like, cool. And do you keep perches in there or do you find that that suffices? <clears throat> I do. I've got uh, perches. So I've got like driftwood that goes across the cage. And then I actually took uh, reptile basics, their little hide boxes and f- turned it upside down and screwed it to the ceiling. And then I use a wing nut and a bolt to basically hold it in place. So there's just like a little opening up on, on the ceiling, basically, so they can crawl up and get like right in there. And uh, they love it. They sit up there and like the top of their cages all the time. And they just like hang their heads out. And if they're hungry, they'll come out and kind of hang out. And they'll they'll do that like chondro perch, basically, where they, they'll hang, you know, kind of like on an S-curve coming down and just waiting for food to come by. So awesome. they're, they're, they're never on the ground. Like they're always they're always up for sure. And, I and I've got that- some shelves. I've Go um, It seems like you keep a lot of your stuff um, in four-foot cages. So these aren't that big. Rough scales, I'm not sure exactly how big an adult is, but someone may um, put them into a tub or squeeze them into a tub. But Which I've seen people do. Yeah, I've heard people do, and I've heard people breed them successfully that way too, which is interesting. Uh, I kind of hit a point where I just – I. I go back and forth on the tubs a lot. I have tubs and I use tubs and they work great. Personally, for me, I just sometimes like to not have them in tubs. I feel guilty about it sometimes. So I use them for raising animals a lot. I don't really use it for adults. So, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a Tetris trying to move things around and kind of really see what I'm doing. And that's really why I kind of cut back on and getting new animals and different animals and different species. I mean, I look at stuff all the time. I go to the fauna like three times a day or Facebook groups and, you know, the classifieds. I'm like, oh, I could get that. And, oh, that would be cool. Let me add that. I mean, it's like, I mean, I can rifle off like 15 different species right now that I want to get. But I'm really, really trying hard not to just because I know that once everybody grows out, I want to have them in like four foot cages at least. And when they start multiplying, then you're going to need even more. Then there's, yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
with, with not having a whole lot of room, no basement. It all goes back to not having a basement. Um, so that's, yeah. So I kind of go back and forth on the tubs, but, um, for those guys they use, I mean, if you give the animals space, they use it. So, you know, even like the Angolans are all over the place and, um, the inlands, they all, they're, they're on all sides of the cages and they, they thermally run with it. And the tubs are great. I mean, they, they like, you know, quiet, warm places with food and shelter and water. And it works great for them too. It's just sometimes I, you know, when the, some bigger animals deal with some of these guys, I just, I want to give them more room so I can see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's even interesting. The fact that you're putting different things in there and seeing different kinds of behaviors, you know, rather than just putting newspaper down mm-hmm. with a hide in there. And you know, I think there's, yeah, I use to... Aspen for pretty much everybody. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Yeah, I switched over. Um, newspaper just it gets dirty fast for me, and it gets kind of pushed around and disheveled. And then if it gets pushed around and they go to the bathroom in there and it's not on the paper, then it's just even more of a mess. So um, I just started using Aspen, and it seems to work good for me. So I give them a good, you know, like a two inch base on everybody's cage, and it's just it's easy to spot clean. So I mean, I go in there daily, like you know, spot clean in, and I pull it out every week and a half, two weeks or something like that. And I just change out all the substrate it's cheap enough to do and it's clean and it's fresh and they kind of they do use it and they'll burrow through it and so on but it's just more that like having like everything covered kind of thing so you know if it's not like a huge messy bathroom break for them it's easy to spot clean and kind of clean up that way um and the water bowls i started doing the deli cups so i went over the um, home depot and got the little pvc caps they're like four inches and then got the deli cups to go in there so those guys i just i refill you know like every other day and then i just take them out and just replace them and go with all fresh ones and recycle the old ones mm-hmm. so that works pretty good so that's pretty much the way i set up all my guys um and they all have the basket spots and they all feed well and it, my problem is i'm just trying not to overfeed because it's, it's so easy to overfeed pythons they want to eat so it's just like, well, I haven't fed you for a week. I should feed you, you know. So I'm really trying to, especially this time of year, to cut back and not feed them as much as, as they really probably want to be fed. And I think once they get in that routine of not eating that much, they, they get pretty used to it. And it's not that crazy for them. I think um, it's easy, especially if you have a couple of ball pythons, to be like, these fucking, they're supposed to be the easiest snake to eat in the fucking world. <laughs> but they don't want to eat. But you're like, this rough scale, this, well, you know, all those snakes will eat yeah. whenever the hell you want them to. Yeah, my roughies were kind of weird. Uh, when I got them in, the my male, the the true male that was supposed to be a male, was on rats. So he was okay. He was cool um, on frozen, you know, small rats or whatever. But my female was the one that was supposed to be female was only on quail. So I was like, awesome. So I started trying to find people with quail and you know locally and stuff like that. Luckily, I was able to find a source for some chicks. So I got some like week old chicks i think they are something like that um and it was funny because they were doing great on those and doing fine and all of a sudden the male the the true male guy decided that he didn't want to have rats anymore and then he switched to chicks and the other one that was eating chicks switched to rats and then never ate frozen rats before so i was like and i didn't mix them up because one has a white spot on them and i'm always like you used to be a female so <laughs> i got them pretty well pinpointed in but it was weird they just totally just switched their preferences to now being one only chicks and the other one will eats frozen rats when it never used to do that so do you know weird. if I don't know. rough scales as a species have a tendency towards like fowl or quail or chicken I, i'm sure they 
probably eat whatever they can. Um, I know that I think there's supposed to be some pretty good like mammals that run around on the cliffs back there that they feed on. But I'm sure if like if birds are around, I'm sure they feed on them. I mean, they're built to kind of hang on cliffs and feed in that way. So I'm sure they, they I mean, they, they take chicks with no problem. They love them. But most pythons do, though. It's kind of funny. Um, the Womas, and I'll, I'll actually feed some of the other python extra chicks or something like that. I'll feed those off as well. Yeah. The the Womas have taken them. The ball pythons have taken them. The Angolans have taken them. So, yeah, I've never had anybody refuse a chick. That's it's interesting. Yeah, so yeah you... it's weird. They all love them. But... But I'm always freaked out about feeding them chicks because I don't want to, like, get, get them stuck down. on them. Yeah. <laughs> like, after that one rough scale. The one rough scale that was stuck on them who's now not stuck on them. But, um, so, yeah, I just, you know, I just it's experimental out of them. And another thing that was interesting, going back to the chicken hearts line, is I used to feed the hog nose little pieces of chicken heart. And they would chow it down. If they're, like, tough feeders, like, if they didn't start very well, like some of the babies, I'd just give them, like, a little piece of chicken heart. And even the adults, I'd just, like, give them, like, a little quarter of one, and they would chow it down. I may try it because so. this – prick male that i have has only has taken tuna scenting for three years or however long i freaking had him really yeah. i used um some of my hogs i have a hard time on i just use a piece of salmon so i actually just went like we we're making salmon for dinner so i just sliced it into like the size of a pinky and it was funny i put it in there and came back totally gone and i just did that like three times and then i rubbed it on you know sent to the pinky and then it got me to switch over real easy but this was also a young you know, it was a hatchling. It was just coming into its own at that point, but it never switched back. But the salmon worked really well, too. He well, goes back and forth. The tuna is the only way I can ensure that he eats every time. Really? It was, so. It's a hog nose, you said? or Yeah. Well, unfortunately, one person who lives in this apartment is disappointing <laughs> and doesn't like seafood. So oh, we, nice. We I'm an anti-pescatarian, yeah. Oh, are you nice? And thing. Yeah, tuna is like the worst kind too. Well, we we just keep tuna can, for the hoglers. We don't actually do. eat it. Yeah. But I'm talking about for the saint. Like we'll never have salmon in the house because he doesn't eat it. Right. Yeah. Um, but being like a non being a non fish eater, and if you have to open a can of salmon, like that smells like gross. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, it freaks me out. I mean, I eat fish and I still a can of tea and when I open them, I was like, oh, that's not that's weird. But do you freeze the hearts or do you keep them in the fridge? <clears throat> I freeze them. So they come like okay, in a fresh good. pack. It's a, yeah. So I, I basically get like the little snack packs and I'll break because they'll, they'll come in like a tray. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, the, like the little. Before uh, she was here. Yeah. We oh, talked yeah, about the snack packs. Yeah. No, so like the little the Ziplocs. Hearts, but not snacks. They've got like the little okay. half Ziploc bags, you know, for snacks or whatever. Okay. Um, when the hearts come in, you'll, you'll get like you'll get like 24 of them or something like that in a pack. So it's like, you want to just like freeze like a big chunk of them together. So I'll put like five in a little snack pack and then I just throw in the freezer and they freeze like individually that way. So then you can thaw out like two or three and like and at the, right now at the Ackies, like exactly. And not have to like try to like chip them away or do anything. They just, they're, it makes it so much. Easier. It's like pinkies. If you lay them flat and freeze them or something like that, then you can, they don't stick together as much. Mm-hmm. I can okay. imagine you makes a make... whole mass of chicken parts. If can I, stop. Yeah. Please stop. I'm willing to give yeah. up my freezer to snake food, but I am mm-hmm. not willing to give up my refrigerator. So I'm glad you freeze the chicken hearts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And they only go through, like, I mean, I only feed them. I mean, they last like two, three months, you know, so they, they stick around for a while. Yeah, that's so, it's, yeah, it's easy. They're not that freaky once you do and it like, like a couple chicken, times. And it's like chicken, so it's like, not like it has a weird tinge, a weird smell to it or anything it's weird. Like a, it, it's like a muscle, and it's not like all like gloppy and stuff. Like it's a, it's actually like kind of like a clean piece of meat. And I'm not like a super uber type of guy. But it's not meat. Type of guy, it's a like, heart. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's like a, ch- you have, you, I mean, if you check a cooking, you cook a chicken breast and you're using like touch to like the raw, it's not that much of a difference really at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it's a good, like cutting through it all and stuff. The nastier shit. I was a little, I will, I was a little, I was a little weirded out when I did the first time. I will, I will absolutely admit, it was a little like, kind of like, I don't know, man, it's kind of weird. But then like after a while, you're like, I mean, it's right. the difference between a chicken breast and a chicken heart. It's still, same thing kind of for someone who deals with pinkies all the time like i would rather fuck yeah i mean right exactly it's all processed it's all clean it's all and it's not like super fatty or anything like that so yeah uh they 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 kind of work out it's just like i'm like it's actually pretty really good clean lean meat farm i'm not gonna eat them but they can (laughs) (laughs) Ew. i know my dad we used to cook the little organ you know that little organ bag that comes in the chickens no, it's like the chicken you reach in, and there's a little bag of organs. What kind yeah, of make sure you put... do you buy? Yeah, yeah. it's like the neck, me? isn't it? Where are you buying these chickens? Right, if you buy a chicken at the yeah, store. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess the chickens do that too. I know turkeys do it. Like with turkeys, you right. Like a tur- there's, yeah, there's like a little packet on the inside. Yeah, for yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. But when you buy chickens, you're buying like there's rotisserie chicken. Well. I'm not... No, no. I buy a raw. And then my dad used to eat all, put all the organs in the pan with the potatoes. I've never bought a raw chicken all in the my organs. life. I've never. Like it, it comes <laughs> like a turkey in the, like the, the ball shape. Yeah, it's a little chicken. Man. Never. It's just a small turkey. Nope. When you what do you, is that yeah. for like holidays or you just eat it regular? Okay, I guess I was the only one who ate roasted chicken. I thought but we would just buy the little rotisserie <laughs> chickens at the like you know the, the yeah we the, had time apparently put it in the oven for an hour you know wait till it popped you never did that okay all right good. no we'd either buy you know, chicken <laughs> it's all breast, nice chicken and brown fat, and like, crispy <laughs> yeah no I didn't know that they sell those all I, the time I need to get a I need to get a raw chicken now. yeah you put it in the oven dude. <laughs> Holy shit. Like a whole chicken, right? You, yeah. You, yeah. Nope. Uh, I haven't bought a whole chicken in a long time. We used to have a smoker, so we'd like kind of we'd get them and put them on a smoker and stuff like that. Like when we were up in Chicago, and I don't remember if they ever did have the little little insides in there or not. I just maybe I just like freaked out and kind of threw them away. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't think you there. can really tell the organs. You're just like eh, throw that. Yeah, I do. Like, why are you bags separately in this cavity? It's yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Okay. <laughs> on know. that note, there's a there's a bunch of weird stuff that people you see that doesn't need to be eaten anymore liver oh. and onions that kind of stuff like uh, my parents are like we went out for liver and onions i'm like that's why yeah it's gross i still fight with my parents about chitlins i think chitlins are the most disgusting food on this planet oh, yeah that's a that's the shitter pipe yeah. of a fucking pig or whatever and especially when my mom like cleans them the whole house <laughs> reeks i just don't why that's, why does anyone yeah. want to go through that like fuck that they're slimy insides but then i love oysters and oysters are also slimy but you don't have to clean oysters i don't know okay no oysters (laughs) all right (laughs) wait i wanted to ask (laughs) why time by the way yeah yeah i know this would be the last question so is it purposeful or is there any connection to the fact that everything that you keep is from Australia, besides the ingredients, of course. Um, there really isn't. I was thinking about that the other day too. I just was kind of draw- I'm drawn to Australian stuff, and then people are in general. I think, and not in general, but people that keep Australian stuff. It seems to be the thing. People that like Australian animals just really towards keeping animals from Australia, which I know sounds really basic, but um, 
I don't know. They're just I'm, I'm intrigued by them. Maybe it's because you just can't get them, you know, as readily, and it's they're not exported. Um, but they also have some really cool stuff, you know. So I don't know. I was just I was thinking about that driving home today. Like, why do I keep just like Australian stuff? And right. then you know, if you think about man, cover pythons are really cool. Rough scales are are great, you know. The Ackies are cool. The dwarf monitors. Um, there's just a lot of good, just cool skinks from there. I mean, they've got a lot of neat stuff, you know. I think it's cool, um, that you which can is see which is interesting, a, at a show and be like, I know that that's not imported, you know, like I know it's captive bred, right? Straight, exactly, exactly. And someone had to, you know, raise some animals and breed them at some point to keep them keep those things going. And um, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm drawn to Australia. The whole, like, the whole idea of going there some days just sounds amazing too. And going around and looking for this kind of stuff just sounds cool. But you know, I was like, I watched your little herp video from uh, from the you know from when you guys were out for copperheads and stuff, and kind of made me think about just what we all have here in the United States, which is really pretty cool when you stop and think about it. That we have some really 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 cool stuff, drastically, and need to start getting out looking for that stuff. You know, because I was kind of thinking, I'm like, why do I keep Australian stuff? And I was like, there's a lot of cool stuff that we have here that you in know I'm Texas. sure other people wish they could have as well. Forget too. the in US. Texas, yeah, in Texas alone, in Texas. right? Exactly exactly but i mean we have like you know like gila monsters i mean how cool is that and you know all the different king snakes and pine snakes and uh, indigos and just like it's we got some cool stuff here too that's but uh, i don't know I, I don't know why just australian stuff just kind of pulled me to it but it seems like people that are in australian stuff just kind of run with it i think and then you just kind of get interested in it and you just kind of keep going with it i think it's also you get into the niche and you get into the people that all keep australian stuff and it's like much more of a community base than a lot of the others yeah. that's very true i mean it's yeah it, that's so true and it's interesting there are so many little sub little categories of our hobby which is cool like i keep a reef tank too and it's just it's funny those are just reef people and they're just all random reef people and there's just much drama in that stuff that there is in reptiles too which is funny but um you know within reptiles it's like people like really geek out and form these little communities for their own species i mean it's like all the short tail and blood python guys you know there's all the clubra guys and within the clubra guys guys you know and it's funny how they just like find these little niches and stuff and i'm sure you're right about the australian stuff it's you know people kind of get into it and then you find other people that keep it and you know throughout the years people are able to start selectively breeding them for nicer animals and get them out to the population so people can 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 buy them and start keeping them as well too because they really do make great pets you know pretty much they're fun to keep they're interesting they're super hardy animals i mean there's really none of them are finicky to keep you know they're all really pretty bulletproof yeah, I think that's especially true in the carpet area. Yeah, 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 exactly. Although that means I'll just probably have some problem with them later. <laughs> hey, you're super lucky. Okay, you keep talking about how well you're you've been with your breathing. I think I think you're pretty lucky. Well, come down to Austin, check them out. You guys are always welcome. <laughs> uh, we have two more weeks here, but <laughs> yeah, we have one. And I'll be away for season. one of them. So we're moving August fifth. Oh, okay. Nice. So like very soon we should have met you before oh, when many we went months to ago i know i know exactly i know well, i should have came up to carpet fest we had something going on that weekend and then last year we were out of town for it as well too so oh, never had a chance to come up for those either and stuff like that true. Uh, too so true. otherwise yeah i guess could have came over and toured everything to a toured the six by eight room it's a little crowded with me in there. <laughs> well we just need not gonna more. lie <laughs> We just need more blackheads in our physical space to hold. to play with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are cool, man. There's, there's, they are, they're different. I mean, they are just super smart animals, and just the way they move and just, just 
immediately as soon as I got her home, I'm like, wow, this is so different than anything else I keep currently, which is really cool. True. Okay, for real last question and off topic. Okay. What yep. is your favorite pizza topping? Um, definitely not pineapple. Thank we just had you. this discussion the other day Thank too. You. We just had this long discussion at the pool the other day too because someone's like, oh, "Let's get pineapple." I'm like, well, "No, that. I don't do that." Um, singly, I I just probably Italian sausage. You know, I'm more of like I like to go traditional, so I always go Italian sausage, mushroom, black olives, and onions. It's usually like my my go to. Uh, or that's not traditional. In Chicago, it is up north. It is. Uh, it's like a Chicago topping. Yeah, like we got pizza last night. Those mushrooms. It's pretty solid. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a judgment. I just... like I like pizza too. Why? Wow, what's I mean? I, I'm I'm definitely multiple toppings for the most part. I like to add. So, it's, it's hard because my my wife doesn't really eat onions and she doesn't eat meat and my kids eat cheese. So I'm always kind of like my <laughs> last couple of years. I've been you all, need like one fourth. <laughs> one fourth of a pizza yeah. can be <laughs> the way you exactly. Want it. Can I just get a quarter meat lovers, please? Um, <laughs> something like that. So, yeah, I usually get it. So I try to combo it up when I have a chance to. I've heard different things about people from Chicago. They say that deep dish is bullshit. Some people like deep dish. Some I thought say, that's what Chicago me, is. It was to deep me, dish. fuck off with that. That's a pie. But that's because you're from New York. You can't talk. Yeah, I will agree. I agree with you. Totally. I know. Yeah, I'm most- from Wisconsin. I like yeah. thin crust. I like like a cracker crust thing. Put crust cheese pizza. curds on that. Oh, bitch, cheese curds! <laughs> cheese yeah, curds. Let's go down. We we fry those and eat those for appetizers. Yes, <laughs> I love cheese curds so much. Dip dip them in ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and then Chicago. I agree. I'm not. I'm not into the Chicago style pizza. But Italian, it, but beef, it is though, a so that's, Chicago. That's something that beef. But Chicago is. You're yeah. saying he's trying to say that it's not universally Chicago. Well, I don't think people. I think Chicago has good pizza outside of deep dish. From what okay. they do, but Chicago style is like lasagna. Basically, I mean, it's like they have the, everything on the bottom and they cover the top of it with, with sauce, you know. And it's just yeah, like it's backwards. That sounds it delicious. Who doesn't love lasagna? It's like you have like like if I'm having pizza, I want to have more than one piece of pizza. Like that stuff is so filling that you have like one. You're like, I'm good. It's like a brick. You know, probably pizzas like having it, multiple pieces. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, East Coast. Yeah, it's. I. I mean, I'm. I'm happy that everyone's going with the bigger foldable pizzas these days. That's for sure. That's that's a good style. Well, that's I'm all right with that. Question, apparently, <laughs> it's supposed to be the, well, J- no, James Lewis on the chat. He's like he he badgered me. But it, it, he's like, see, my question turned into great conversations, and yes, it does. Yeah, because I will go on to judge people who like pineapple in the future. <laughs> yeah, no pineapple, no broccoli. Keep broccoli oh, on your pizza too. They'll put broccoli yeah. on their pizza. If, if you order like a vegetarian, like a veggie pizza, sometimes broccoli something on there. It's it's terrible. It's not really good. Thanks, travesty. It's a, it's a travesty. Mushroom bullshit. I love no. No, that'd be like. <laughs> That'd be uh, tofu or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, not that good stuff. Not hating on Austin. It's cool. There's no, no bats. Right. Shut up. Um, okay, Brett. No if you bats. want people to find you, where can they reach you? 
uh, Instagram. So I'm at Fieldstone underscore Herpet Culture. Otherwise, Facebook, just under Brett Bender. I used to have a Facebook page, but then it just got, I don't know, Facebook's difficult to deal with. And they wanted to make it into a business. So I'm like, I'm just a hobbyist. So I just kind of deleted that whole thing. So yeah, personal account on Facebook. I'm on there. You can message me or on Instagram at Fieldstone underscore Herpet Culture. I just changed it to herpiculture. I thought it sounded professional. What was it before? Herps. Herps. Got too many. Yeah. Got too many herps jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From then, that's the other thing with Facebook too. When I had my other page, it was a bunch of like non. That's why the thing I like about Instagram is like you can really filter down what you're like, what you want to see. And so I've got like one that's just basically straight reptiles and the other one that I've got my personal account too. But Facebook, it's like, I post something like a snake and then I like 10 people would be like, ew, gross snake for real, you know, like that kind of stuff. And I was like, all right, enough of that Facebook general friend populace can stay off of there. So, so that's why I'm usually on Instagram a lot more for that reason. No. Yeah. It totally makes sense. And I think that like, uh, there's not enough, snake people doing it like it's pictures of snakes like right makes so much sense (laughs) yeah it's great my feed is like all reptiles on that page and it's like you can just you know not you can just keep it straight and stream streamlined that way and then if you have a if you have a facebook business page your post reach reaches like one and a half people because facebook wants you to buy ads so that's yeah exactly that was the other part too i'm like why am i doing this (laughs) it pisses me off every day Exactly. So yeah, I'm usually on yeah, Facebook. I just jump on some of the the forums and stuff like that. Or the groups, I guess they're called. I'm old school. I call them forums. forums. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> the groups. And you know, I just I'm, I'm parts of some of those and get bored with some of them and delete them and kind of do that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm around. Just or email. <laughs> Easy enough. Okay. Well, yes. If anyone wants to find us on the social media, whatever's, catch us on Instagram under Port City Pythons, Facebook Port City Pythons, our website, portcitypythons.com, where we will continuously post snakes once they decide to eat her. (laughs) Why are y'all laughing? Well, I need to. Well, I talked about it earlier, but I also need to sort out the pictures and the. Yeah, he's about 10,000 pictures on his phone. Oh, fuck. It's a lot of of work. Yeah, if you guys see one listing for a corn snake, no corn snakes don't stay still. I take like 20 pictures at least of each one, and then I need to say, is this this number, this number? Yeah. It's It's a whole fucking thing. Trust me. Yeah, it's a lot of work. (laughs) They're annoying. Yeah. If you want to email us, uh, theportcitypythons uh. at gmail.com. We also, even though we have snakes posted on the website, we also have stuff posted on Morph Market or Fauna Classifieds. Either one. Choose your fancy. Uh, or just hit me up. But we, it's it gets difficult when people just message us individually. We've been talking about that. Like, we say just we message us, but it gets it. it gets too difficult when people message us on Instagram wanting to buy it because then we're trying to track it on. Yeah, it's hard. It's easier if they guys. just go to the website because it then handles it all. But yeah, when people message us, it's a whole separate thing we have to deal with. So yeah, I have a paper and pen though. Okay. Okay. I was trying to do the outro well, and we are really not doing good at being succinct. Okay. Thank you guys for watching. 
Um, this was a great show. I'm sorry I was late. I will probably be late. <laughs> you again don't worry, next you week. only missed the connectivity issues. <laughs> yeah, we, we had to sort that out. Sorry about that. That was that was unsettling. <laughs> and what's weird is that it was totally fine once you went where you are now. Yeah, I'm yeah, I should probably just start off in here, but I don't have cages behind me. But you we know? tried. Yeah, cool stuff to like show off and be like, here's the Aki's cage. They live right behind me. That kind of stuff, you know. So <laughs> Yes. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much yeah. for being here. And thank you all for watching us and for your continued support. We already did our outro, even though I feel like we should mm-hmm. go into it right Catch now. Catch us next week for the person <laughs> that I will not say. <laughs> <laughs> because if we say your name, you will not show up. Because that's And fact. I really want this person to show up. Who? I don't even remember who it is. Don't say, don't say, don't say. Don't say. Oh, is it? Oh, uh, I think so, but I could uh, be forgetting. I don't know. Okay, bye, guys. Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> bye. Bye. We'll see y'all.